Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. Today's episode is brought to you by Bluefish Design, now in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, they just packed up, they moved their offices to Old Town Scottsdale. Uh, same great team, check them out. They're the premier ad agency. These people are young, hip, fresh. They can work with you on logos, branding, your interactive and digital media, whatever it takes to take your company to the next level. So check them out. They work with big companies, little companies, little podcasters like us, tons of people out there. So look them up, www.bluefish.com. That's B-L-U-F-I-S-H.com. And now for today's episode. Uh, today's episode is all about beer. Uh, it's summertime here in Arizona. It is hot. So we decided to do a hazy IPA episode. There's a couple reasons why we chose hazy IPAs, primarily because we feel that they're really appealing to the wine drinker. Uh, there's a lot of depth to them. There's a lot of nuances in them. Uh, we drank four or five different ones in the show and had a great podcast. So enjoy today's episode. Check us out on Instagram. Check us out on Facebook. That's Spilling the Truth. Um, starting this week, we're also going live on Twitch, and we're going to be archiving all the shows on video on YouTube. So check out the YouTube page. I'm going to be building it this week. Uh, but lots of fun things coming from us. So thank you very much. Enjoy the show. Yeah, I just don't understand why nobody could have made a USB that plugs in one way versus you have to trying to put it in flipping it over They're like why not make it like the iphone cord where you could just stuff it in no matter which way it is Ooh, that's a good point because yeah you don't ever take an iphone cord and actually go different directions yeah. it's there's only one i mean it's all universal yeah and no other one really messes with it like an hdmi cord you know the way it's supposed to go because you can look at it and be like okay this is upside down this is forward a usb you're taking a guess you're like all right well 50 50 i'm gonna get this right or not was the old iphone cords non-universal did you have to flip those around i think you did i think i think they were one-sided because they used to have that little like line and like uh -huh. the, not the circle but like the oval around the whole thing so it, i i think it was one-sided i'm pretty sure it was one-sided like if you tried to put it in one way and it didn't work you had to flip it over the other way yeah you know what really i mean i know iphone didn't care that they switched from the bigger one to the smaller one but that screwed every single like docking station out there for like at least two years you go to goodwill or some store and they have every single super old iphone dock whether it's like one of those in home where you used to take your iphone or your ipod and like stick it into the thing and play the music and even getting that didn't work you'd have to like try five different angles to get it right all those hotels had those uh, all the, the hotels ra the radios you could put your phone on yeah. it would charge it and all of a sudden like changed up and they were like damn it the iHome, those iHome radios or whatever yeah. they were called and now there's probably no point of even doing it because if you try as hard as you did the old one, you'll just snap that little piece off. So now everything's just like, well, fuck it. Let's just go Bluetooth. Get rid of the jacks. Get rid of everything. It's Bluetooth. I was thinking about this the other day, though. With the amount of data flying through the air right now, it's pretty insane. The fact that, you know, I mean, I could take a picture of you of something or I take a TV show and I could just send it through the air. So literally this TV show is flying through the air into your phone. Like It's it's insane how that works. Like, like I get it. I understand. I just don't know the know how. Like, I know that I can make a call. I could call you. I could call somebody and talk to them at the exact same time. I'm texting somebody else while I'm simultaneously looking at something on the internet on the same device. It's amazing that it can do that. <laughs> it really, technology is nuts. And the fact that all this was nothing but rocks and sticks, I mean, literally, you know, a couple hundred years ago. Oh, I mean, forget that. 30 years ago, people had to do the. <laughs> 
true. <laughs> just to make a phone call. So many people have no idea what you're doing or what's happening. There's going to be so many. There's, <laughs> yeah, like, like, wait, what are you what doing? What the fuck is he doing? But you know what I'm talking about. Well, yeah. they had a video like that was floating around the internet recently about they had a bunch of like kids that they had handed a phone. They said, okay, here's a phone number. Now you got to dial this number. They couldn't figure out how to use a rotary phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had no idea. They were trying to like pick it up and put it down and push the button. Push buttons and. So, so is it technically floating in the air or is it flying through the air? Is it whizzing through the air? What a, what, I wonder what the term would be for. But you think about how much data is flying around the air. Like how much porn is flying around us at oh all times. There is so much nudity <laughs> going through your brain you without no, you realizing it. Don't even realize. <laughs> it's just everywhere. Dr- everybody's constantly asking their drug dealers and everything else. Yeah, there's so much bad data. <laughs> I will say it's kind of fun to jump on Google once in a while, have a couple drinks, smoke a joint, do whatever you do to kind of put yourself in a unique mental state. <laughs> jump on Google and just start typing random words to see what auto-populates. Like type, how do I cure and see what it comes up <laughs> with for the auto-population or why is the, and see the... The crazy dumb shit that people ask all the time. Like, I wanted to do a comedy routine where I literally just sit there and I just go through all the stupid shit that's on the internet. Like, oh my god, it's probably such basic dumb crap too that you would know. And you're like, how the hell does people not know this? I mean, you could type in just by like, like, does Jesus, and then it will auto populate. Does Jesus fly? Does Jesus do this? Does like, you could literally go through these and spend it. A whole night going on the rabbit hole of just typing in one or two words and watching Google auto-populate the rest of it. It's what? so fucking funny. There's a... What was it? There's a subreddit that kind of does that. It's like you type out a thing and then all the people slowly add a letter. It's Ask Ouija. And it just they just add a letter till it fills out a whole thing. And it gets pretty hilarious on there. My favorite to rabbit hole is uh, YouTube music videos. Because um, you can just... Like, I looked the other night, and I was listening to, I think it was Metallica, S&M. They did Fuel, where they had, like, the uh, the orchestra band. It was, seriously, it was they did an album called S&M, and it was Symphony and Metallica. And so they did Fuel, and, you know, they came out with the violins and the big drums. And then I started watching old Metallica videos, so I saw the 1991 Live when they were in Moscow, and it was insane. They did, uh, it was either Enter Sandman or another song, and... There had to have been 500,000 people at this place. It was the most packed I've ever seen. It wasn't a stadium. They were just in the middle of nowhere. And they don't have police, and they don't have security. They use the military to prevent the people from rushing the stage. So it's just that, you know those like Russian military hats with a flat top and everything? There's a 1,000 of them in front of the stage, and 500,000 people just going. And it's Metallica 1990, so the ugly mustache, mullets. And then so there, I was like, what other bands can I travel through in the 80s and 70s? And I ended up with like the weirdest crap. Like all of a sudden, it went from 11 to 1 o'clock in the morning watching the dumbest music videos I've ever seen in my entire life on YouTube. I mean, thank goodness for the internet. I mean, some of the dumb shit that's on it. I mean, there are some days literally that... I have trouble taking a shower because I can literally sit there in the computer on the internet for like <laughs> two or three hours. The one that was cracking me up the other day was that uh, uh, the Queen Mum wore this the green the, the, green the, suit. the green suit that was the exact same color as a green screen. <laughs> so the internet has photoshopped every single thing on top of her oh, outfit that's into so great. everything. You're like I don't know if you've seen these or going I down. I saw the they did hole. like a pizza the one, pizza one, or Darth Vader. Darth Vader was a good <laughs> one. Like, she literally wore an outfit that was green screen green, and then the internet just had a field day. Of course. 
Dude, if you give if you give the internet an opportunity, it's going to absolutely be hilarious. It's funny that we say that if we just give the internet if it's as it's, its own thing. The same way people like go, oh man, the government's doing this. When you're like, well, it's just a couple people. It's the internet. It's just a couple people doing it, and it's now all of a sudden it's acting like all a billion of us are doing this. That was that that one was great. <laughs> so it's summertime here in Arizona now. Which means that red wines just don't taste as good to me. No. Kind of unfortunate. I yeah. mean, it's just... When it when the sun is still up at 7.30, 8 o'clock at night, and it's still 100 degrees, 115 degrees, 108 degrees, I just don't feel like drinking red wines. It just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, and I mean, even then, like, I, I, I don't mind drinking certain whites, but there's something... As much as I absolutely love red wine, excuse me, white wine and, like, rosé wine during summer... It's not like it's there's something refreshing about having a beer over a wine if you're at a pool or if you're hanging out with your friends or whatever. It's just something to me about that. I'm having issues though with the beers nowadays because I always used to say, okay, I'm going out for the night. I'm going to have some wine. My night's going to start at five. It's going to be done by nine or 10. I know I got four hours of drinking wines. And by the end of it, I'm got a nice little buzz and I'm nice and happy and I'm going to sleep like a champion. <laughs> When it came to full days of let's go out to the lake, let's go out to the beach, let's go play volleyball and drink some beers, you knew that you could drink beer all day long. You could almost rehydrate with it. You get kind of drunk. You get you know a little happy, whatever. But at the end of the day, you weren't necessarily always hammered from having six or seven or eight beers. Whereas now, beers are a little different. And beers are kicking my freaking ass. Okay, it's funny. I... I was just pausing there because I was like, yes, I, I was gonna, I was really disagreeing with you on your first comment there. And then when you came back around, you're like, they're kicking your ass. I can a hundred percent relate to that. The other day, we went to a release party of a beer that we actually had, they're gonna be tasting today, their can. And I had one glass while you were waiting in line to get food. And I, I was drunk from Dude, that one glass. That day was a long day. Oh. I asked a professional football player what he was going to do when he graduated college. <laughs> That's right. I forgot Earl was there. <laughs> I asked him. What? He looked at me like, boy, what are you talking about? Oh, man, that was a great look, too. He's just like, dude, what? Yeah, he's like, um, I've been playing. I mean, he's on his like, third NFL team. Yeah, he was saying it because he was like, uh, uh, and I'm not going to say his name just because I don't want to right now because it's kind of embarrassing. Such an but you, you even made a comment. I think I may have made the comment. I don't remember, but I was like, I said something about him playing for ASU and he looked at me and I was like, I meant the Cardinals. So like you play for ASU Cardinals, I mean Devils. And he's like, dude, no. I was like, fuck. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying about these beers. If, if I would have had a, a 4% beer, a 3% beer, two or three beers, I'd be normal. I drank one beer that was like 8.6% alcohol, 16 ounce glass, and I was yeah dumb yeah <laughs> like i was that's, saying dumb that's the shit. thing to me with like, like at least with wine all right if you're drinking a white wine guaranteed it's going to be between 10 and 12 percent alcohol unless maybe you get something that's like 13 14 if you're drinking red wine you know you're going to get drunk because it's 13 to 16 if you're drinking anything from california you're definitely getting drunk off a glass or two because it's always above 14 with a beer i've had pilsner i, I drink peroni is my go-to basic bitch beer i love peroni 
And it's obviously like the Bud Light of Europe. And so you're drinking four of those at 4.95% alcohol. Cool. Like you're still good. But then I had, uh, what, what was that? I, I think it, I don't know if it was this one, but we had another one and it was 10%. And I had no idea it was a double, triple IPA or whatever it was. And I had one of them and I crushed it real quick. And then I was starting to drink the other one. I'm like, dude, I'm, I've got a real strong buzz. And then by the time I finished the second one, which is a 16 ounce can versus that 12 ounce bottle, I was bombed. That's the other thing is now they're putting them in 16 ounce cans and they're 8% alcohol. We were discussing it that day at the bar. You know, when we drink wine, we sit around, we drink a wine that's say 15% alcohol. Well, we're drinking a 750 milliliter bottle. The average wine, oh, that's right. we did that. a, a, a wine glass average pour is going to be a six ounce pour at a restaurant, approximately. Yeah. So you're getting a six ounces of wine at 15% alcohol. Well, these cans are 16 ounces of beer and they're 8% alcohol. And if I drink two or three of these cans, this is like I just domed a bottle of wine or two. Yeah, because it's, yeah. So you're at 32 ounces if you drink two cans at 8%. And what we were doing the math on this for a little bit, because if you have 25 ounces at 14%, you're still getting a hair more alcohol out of two cans. And you're not drinking two cans. You're not. You're definitely drinking three or four. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Th- that afternoon I had, I think I had four beers there. Yeah, I can't, because we drank. And you had three, I think. I, yeah, I drank I had, a couple of the Wrens, but I, but I also filled in a Pilsner. And then the, the owner or brewmaster, whoever... Uh, was walking around and he hooked us up with a free. I got a 17 on that one, which was another uh, hazy IPA. Yeah, because I, I had the Pilsner, and which is crazy to me. Their Pilsner is like six, nine, seven percent versus what I assume most Pilsners would be like four or five. Like I'll go out to a lot of places at times and I'm like, I'm looking at the menu, and at least in our state, I find it unique in its own weird way of beer. A long time ago, like back when I was in college, so like 10 years ago, everything was garbage beer. It was like right as craft really started picking up in the state. So for the most part, it was, you know, Bud Light, Coors, whatever. And then like a little bit more on, all of a sudden you started seeing like Stone was really getting big out here. Lagunitas made it out. And then the IPA scene exploded. You would go to a bar and there's 20 taps, 17 of them were IPAs. And the other three were the standard, you know, like Bud Light, Coors, like whatever kind of thing. Now it's tailoring off to everybody's got a mix of stouts, porters, pails, whatever. But the pilsners I'm used to that were like five, six percent or seven, eight percent sometimes. I'm like, why is it like why is this so hard? I don't want to double pills. I want something real light. So now I'm drinking session IPAs. <laughs> I think it goes back to what we're talking about with wine all the time and the fact that America likes bigger things and we like bigger, higher alcohol. I mean, you typically don't go over to Europe. You're you don't go to Germany and get a beer and it's gonna be eight percent alcohol. No. The beers over there are like three percent because they want you to drink them all day. Every day for breakfast, lunch, dinner, after dinner. So they don't want to be wasted. Whereas if you got a stein, a German beer stein of this beer. Oh, you're done. You're done. You're out. You're finished. Yeah. Like, that, one, that one massive stein that takes your whole forearm to lift yeah. is going to knock you out. Like in Germany, you'll drink four, three or four or five of those at dinner with friends and laugh and cheers and spill and have fun. Yeah. Whereas if it was this beer in that stein, phew, I'm looking at the can we're drinking right now, and it's like an oil can. I'm like, dude, we can't finish that whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're probably gonna, but it, it's, a, it's a 32 ounce. <laughs> we're definitely gonna have a. We're gonna get drunk on this episode. So, so it's a 32 ounce can. So it's crawler. So this is becoming super popular right now with the craft beer world of these crawlers. So a lot of these craft brewers, they will have only their beers on tap, but they have a very small amount in cans. A lot of them won't even bother canning certain releases. I know Renhouse doesn't can all the releases. I know when I was in Colorado. 
half the breweries I went to, you couldn't get their beers in cans. I tried like it's on tap only, or you can get a crawler to go. The crawlers are a 32 ounce can that they can right then and there. They go to the tap, they fill it up to the rim, they put a cap on it, they have a canning machine, it spins it around, seals the top of it, they write what it is on the side, and they send you to go. Yeah, that's so cool. You know, it's great because like I got better than a growler. I got a like a blueberry sour lactose beer, like at one of the breweries that was flipping delicious. And I got a crowler and took it up and it was three of us. We got to share it. We each had a glass. It was perfect. That brings up a point is also how crazy and this is mostly I'm assuming this is mostly America. I'm not familiar with most of the rest of the world with the exception of uh, European beer laws. Dude, you can make anything. A sour, hazy, lactose-made, lambric, IPA, something or other. Like, you can go to absolute town on making the most ridiculous beer you want, which is awesome to experiment with. But sometimes when you find that one thing, you go, dude, I love that. They don't make it ever again. And it's really, it's one thing that annoys me is the, not the inconsistency on how good the brewery is, but the inconsistency of if you want this beer, good luck. You might not ever have it again. Well, the guy, so one of my favorite beers I drink up at Ren House is the Spellbinder, which is their hazy oat IPA. Well, the guy who had brewed it for the first couple of years the brewery was around had left, was gone. They had the recipe. They'd been brewing his recipe, but it never tasted exactly the same. He just came back, and everybody's talking about this new batch that he just brewed. Back it's, to back to, it's back to, oh, my God, what the fuck? This is amazing. I was in there the other night. I was in there Friday night, I think I was in there. And people were talking about this new batch of Spellbinder and how it's back to the way it used to be. And they had the same recipe, but sometimes just that brewer's hand, his certain ways of doing it, certain t- ways of adding certain things at certain times. And they- that's, a, that's an interesting point, just because in the world of wine, the vineyard is the most important thing. Then obviously the winemaker kind of helps change it. And what you do to it can you know, determine the way the wine's going to be. But if the winemaker leaves and brings in like an apprentice guy or somebody else, if they change up, the wine will still be, it's going to be different no matter what, even if it is a different winemaker because the vintage changes, but they are still going to get the vineyard and it's not going to change in a sense of the customers who are buying it know what they're getting. Like honestly, Silver Oak back in early 90s is probably not crazy different than it is now, minus the massive amount of oak that goes into it. But on a beer, if your brewer leaves, dude, it can totally change enough to a point where you're like, I don't even want to drink that beer anymore. And yeah, I mean, and, without and a doubt. which is crazy. Like, how could it be that different if you're using the same malts, same hops, but like they're not hitting the right timing, they're not taking the right care? Like, maybe I, I as awesome as a brewery is, clearly the brew master is the most important person in that building. It's that versus way. the grapes in a winery are the most important thing in that building. Exactly. It's actually that way with even the large mass produced, super produced houses. I know in the United States, somebody like Budweiser has multiple brewing facilities to keep it fresh. You don't want to brew it in New York and ship it all the way to the East Coast. No, yeah, you have it mass produced so, so, at some so, facility in California. So you have certain facilities around the United States that are producing it for that zone of that region. There's a master brewer in each one of those zones that oversees it. Each one of those master brewers can tell you which region the beer is producing. So if, if one of those brewers for Budweiser sits down with five cans of Budweiser in front of him, he could taste it and be like, this is the one produced in New York, this is the one produced in Missouri, this is the one produced in California, this is the one produced in Minnesota, this is the one produced in Florida. That's crazy. I wonder if I wonder if that has to do with how the guy brews it or where he's getting the grains from or even the hop scent. Because if you have Cabernet on this hill and Cabernet on that hill, they're obviously going to be different. But like if you have like Crystal Row 
two or crystal roasted. These are like certain malts that people use. Is it different if it's grown in Arizona versus in Nebraska versus in like New York? And therefore, when they go to malt it and boil it, it's going to taste subtly different or it doesn't really matter. I'm I'd like sure, to, I, I want to talk to somebody about I'm that. I'm sure one. pressure, I'm sure humidity, I'm sure a lot of different factors go into the final product that the average person can't pick out. But the, the person who does nothing but brew and taste Budweiser every day for their life knows all the little nuances can pick that out, just the way we are with wine. Yeah. I could taste five different wineries all on up a Oak Knoll Drive, Yeah, and I could tell you the differences between all of them. The average person might be like, it tastes like... It tastes like Cab. It tastes like Cab. Sort of. And, and then the next yeah. person, the next person up might say, "Oh, it tastes like Napa Cab." The next person up might say, "Oh, oh it tastes a like a little lighter. It tastes it's like, like the base Oak, of it. This and... tastes like Oakville Cab." Yeah. The next person up might be like, "Oh, this tastes like Groth. This tastes like Silver Oak." Yeah. This next one up, I mean, this is then the next person up might be like, "Hey, this tastes like you know Phil over at Silver Oak did this batch, whereas Marco did this batch." Yeah, that progressive pyramid of everybody. It gets smaller at the top, but there's exactly. always that one guy who can taste something better. And that's why I think those. I mean, that's why those master brewers are with those big houses. So that's one thing that's crazy is uh, to me is obviously wine. I don't imagine it means much depending on your elevation because you're not really going above four or five thousand feet. It's crazy to have vineyards above five thousand feet. Like you're not going to get it, but you could brew at any level. Sea level all the way up to like I'm looking at a can right now. This is brewed at seven thousand feet. So that has to have something to do with it. The atmospheric pressure has to affect the beer in some way or another. Water boils at a different temperature in high altitude. Good point. Than it does in low altitude. Yeah. So these are these are things you have to worry about when you're cooking. I was cooking when I was up in Colorado, and I was worried about my recipes and certain things because of the altitude. That's crazy because you're right. If the boiling is different, the temperature is now different, and the temperature of what comes out of a malt at 180 and 190 or 200 or whatever is definitely different in style. So you're right because if they have the Budweiser facility at 1,000 feet in California and the major Budweiser at their home in what St. Louis is at like 900 feet, it's going to be different. Yeah. You would think. I mean, it's gotta. There's gotta be a nuance. There's gotta be something that's different between the two. That's the one crazy thing to me. I have, and the cultiness of beer is really to a point where you're never. I don't think you're going to be able to get it in anywhere else unless you move a brewery in there, and even it's different. For instance, we did a wedding at our winery, and these people were so obsessed with their one beer. They didn't care about the wine. We did their wine. They loved it. It was great and everything. But they had this beer called Swirly. And it was from Minnesota, and they shipped down like 20, 24 packs. It was, it was honest to God, it like a freight truck showed up with the amount of beer they have. And they're like, we're not drinking anything but this for the wedding. And because you're not going to get it here. There's no way they're going to ship any of that down here. There's like nobody who's representing them. It's too small. Like, Ren House is never going to go beyond this neighborhood. And they, the people who know it. They can't keep their beer in stock for the people that sit at the bar and exactly. drink it. <laughs> there is not one person outside of the greater Phoenix area that has probably heard of Ryan House. No, uh-uh. You're There's wrong. There's no way. No, you're completely wrong on that. You think in Flagstaff, yes. there's people like, damn, I wish we yes. had Ren? A- around the country, they're what? actually making a lot of noise. Yeah, I've had friends around the country that I mentioned I live near Ren and their eyes light up. Even... Uh, when Schwartz was coming out here from New York with like Treehouse and some of these collector beers from New York, he talked to some friends about places to visit in Arizona. And he's like, hey, my friend lives near a rent house. And everybody's like, dude, that's the best brewery out here. Like, okay. they're making a lot of it has to do with place, things like rate beer or uh, untapped. Uh, yeah, the magazines. Or, or untapped, the, uh, the app on your phone where people rate beers on that. And I don't know if you use untapped or you've heard of untapped, but it's a, it's a social media I've device. Heard of it. 
for checking in beers. So you don't check yourself in. You check in that I'm drinking, drinking, I'm drinking this beer at this location at this time. And you can go through and see who else has drank that beer. There are other reviews. When we were at uh, New Image Brewing up in Colorado, I was able to go through all their other beers and see what else like got higher ratings. When we were looking at what breweries to go to, we were actually looking on untapped for the actual brewery ratings more than anything else. Because um, that's personal ratings. That's the average consumer. That's not just some company, you know. I just realized how hard this is going to be to put a can back in this floating tub. It like wanted to shoot out. Yeah, I mean, some of these we could just drink. I just wanted to keep them cold while they're sitting yeah. out here. So wait, which one are we drinking right now? This is from Odd 13 in Lafayette, Colorado. So Odd 13 is, uh, it's like northern Denver area, like kind of up like... Okay, so it's still in Heading Denver. up towards like, yeah, it's... it's What's Lafayette? So it's going to be closer to like Boulder. Did you bring this down with you when you came down or did somebody have it here and you got a crowd? I it? did not bring this one. Almost everything here that I have with me is stuff that I brought. It's, you can't buy in Arizona. It's, yeah. it's limited stuff I brought. Odd 13 was one of the few breweries I wanted to make it to, but I didn't have a chance because it was kind of an hour and a half drive from where I was staying in Denver. Okay. So I'm familiar with this. So I happen to know that there was a place in town that does almost exclusive growler fills of craft beer. I called him up today. I said, hey... Will you have any cool hazy IPAs, uh, Crowler fills? And he goes, well, we just got odd 13s like in. And I was like, I'm on my way. So is this a, is it a beer and wine store? It's, it's, a, a, it's, store? it's, it's a small beer and wine store. Awesome. And by wine, I mean, there's probably like 70 wines in it. But they have a crawler filling station of 50 different crawlers of taps. So I wonder, and this is a legal question, and it's something I think I wish I, I knew better, but I wonder if it has to be that size can for you to make it that, or if you could do 16-ounce cans and make somebody a 16-ounce can, or if you have to sell them this 32-ounce behemoth of a can. We could talk to them sometime. They actually, so the average crawler is going to be 32, 32 ounces, ounces, which is two cans. Yeah. It's two 16-ounce cans. That's yeah. it. It's two cans of beer. It looks like a lot, but it's two cans of beer. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it's three cans of beer. And I know if they, you get 12 ounces. True. But the whole craft beer thing now has gone to 16 ounces. That's just the way it is now. Uh, yeah, I've noticed that. I'm like, uh, we've got the tall ones. We've got the regular ones. There's one shorty in this entire thing that I have over here. Yeah. it's. I wonder if that's... I wonder why. Like, why did 16 become the norm? Uh, also, noticing every one of these cans, by the way, is specifically wrapped in the same... Like hand label, like it's just an aluminum cam. Somebody threw it on there, kind of a thing. I'm guessing for a couple reasons. One, waste. Six 12 ounce cans is a lot more waste than four 16 ounce cans. You sit down, and drink your beers. You drink a six pack of cans. You're gonna throw all six. I mean, it's less aluminum at the end of the day. It's less caps. It's less. I mean, one of the most expensive things on a can is this little pull tab. That's why they save these right up here, these little can these little tabs. Well, the interesting thing is is just cause all right, so cause every every sixteen ounce is a four pack. I've never seen a I haven't seen a, a six pack that's they sixteen do. ounce cans. Uh, the big spills pills, they do six packs. Really? Because most of the time, because I always see the four packs. It has to do with alcohol levels. As long as the alcohol levels are low enough, probably below five, I think, you can do uh sixteen ounce six packs. Oh, so it's alcohol level driven. I think it's alcohol. I think that's what it comes down to, in all honesty. Interesting. Because you typically don't see six packs of the 8% hazy IPAs. They're only four packs. I just kind of assumed it was more of a, they, they do it for a, not like a money thing, but just because, you know, I get like an exclusive kind of a thing. These are, these would be great questions to even ask Preston next time we're up at Renhouse yeah. or uh, other breweries or other places where we're at. 
So uh, the name of this wine is called their Intergalactic Juice Hunter. This is it's a good wine. <laughs> Sorry, <it's> force <laughs> a habit. <laughs> right, we're at, we're doing an IPA episode. <laughs> so yeah, we're doing an IPA episode, and primarily these are all going to be East Coast New England style IPAs, or as they're widely known in the business as like hazy IPAs. Hazy IPA. Um, a lot of these are going to have lactose in them. Um, it's a different style of sugar to have in your wine or in your, I'm going to say wine in this episode. Yeah, so probably. It's, yeah. It's a different type of sugar to add that doesn't actually get broken down by the yeast. So it leaves like most a little creaminess in your beer. One of the most famous people to do it that most of us know are going to be left hand milk stout. I love left hand milk stout. It's my favorite, uh, stout. It's probably the most famous lactose beer that you know. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's interesting because the whole New England style IPA, now that it's made it to Arizona, and I, it's been around since like, I think 2010, 2012, is this hazy looking thing, which I it for the longest time, everybody just associated a hazy beer as being a Hefeweizen. Like that's what it was. And I, I don't know if it was you or somebody else finally dropped a beer in front of me. And I was like, oh, wow, they didn't filter. That. I thought it was an accident. No, it was stone. I got a keg of stone. And it came out, and I thought they messed up. I thought it was like they accidentally left yeast in it. It kept fermenting, and they didn't clear it. And they were like, no, this is this new hazy-style IPA, and it's just the way that it is. I mean, it is delicious. This being, this is a lactose one, you said? I don't know if this, I could double-check see if this is a lactose. Um, I, I just, I like it, the idea of hazy. It definitely is going to have the flavor, you know, just not filtering all the crap out of it. And honestly, with beer... You can do it. You don't have to have a totally clear beer. Unlike wine, you know, I know people are doing this natural hazy wine, but it tastes like ass because it's this natural crap. But like beer, doesn't matter anymore. I think the, the reason why these are becoming so popular is because it's the nuances, especially amongst wine lovers. Wine lovers like to break down their products. They like to sit around and talk about it. I taste this. It's got hints of this. It finishes with this. <laughs> yeah, Friday's going to be fun because we'll be with John. <laughs> He's going to do that the whole yeah, time. Yeah, but this, this, is, this is what wine lovers love to do. Well, now a wine lover couldn't do that with, with Guinness. You couldn't do that with a regular IPA. You couldn't break down the nuances of a... Uh, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. You couldn't break down the nuances of Honey Brown or any other like Samuel Adams Boston Lager. However, with something like this, there's so much nuance and depth and complexity. These are wine lovers' beers. These are beers that somebody who's a geek wants to sit around and have a discussion about what they're drinking. They're perfect for that. It's true, especially because they've been starting to do like Brett beers. Um, I'm not a fan of sours. I know some people are. I know the sour beer industry is funny to listen to people talk about because some people are like, it's not sour enough. Some people are, it's too sour. And it's a weird swing of, honestly, like it sounds like when people talk about oak and wine, like, oh, it's too oaky. Oh, it's not oaky enough. Blah, blah, blah. The same thing with sours. I I loved the last couple of hazy ones that we did. Some of these, this one to me, that what is this one called again? Odd 12? It's Odd 13. Odd 13. And it's their intergalactic juice hunter. And, and by the way, it is 8% alcohol. Yeah, I, I'm already noticing on the white two glasses we've had on our little tumblers here. <laughs> no, this one to me is, uh, it's interesting because I don't like, there's no nose to it. That's the one thing about beer. The only beers I've ever noticed that have an insane nose are very, very specific IPAs or Saison's. Saison's you could smell from like a foot or two away. I just, some beers just don't give off like a nose the same way wine kind of does, you know? And in this one... I think it smells, smells hoppy. 
It's like it smells fruity. It does smell fruity. Um, what I get off of this a lot is going to be pineapple. I get pineapple juice like yeah. big time on this one. Now, I think, I think a lot of the reasons why you don't get these crazy noses off of beers the way you do, say, off of wine either is that we're serving these cold. We're The other day I was having a beer at a brewery and they had it was a blood orange lactose beer uh, uh, milkshake IPA that all the flavors were hidden and I literally held it like a wine, put my hands around it, cupped it, let it warm up. And I was like, the bartender asked me like, so what do you think of it? I'm like, I'm actually gonna let it warm up because all the flavors are muted. After about 10 minutes, the beer actually had a lot more characteristic, but it's not, you don't always want to drink beer warm. Beer is meant to be cold. I think once you drink an ice cold beer, it hides a lot of those, those nuances. So with that being said, what do you think would be the right ways to do beers? Do you think somebody's going to come around one day and be like, okay, just like wine, if you're drinking champagne, you need it 38 to 42. If you're drinking white wine, 42 to 56. If you're drinking red, 56, 64, whatever. But again, personal preference. Somebody's going to be like, all right, it's a Pilsner. You got to drink that, you know, at... 45 degrees if it's a lager drink it at this if it's an ipa drink it at this like there's certain temperatures that are right because to me i don't think stout should be cold like not no not arizona room temperature but like a stout like where it's not quite cold it's not quite warm it's like right it's just got a hair a little chill is so much better than if somebody hands me it straight out of the fridge so the other night i was having a couple of beers and by the time i got to the end of the can yes it had more flavor but i didn't enjoy it as much i just don't like warm beer or room temperature beer guinness yes i want something like guinness that's going to be at a normal say 50 degrees 55 60 degrees like wine temperature kind of thing okay but I, it just one of the beers that we're actually going to have today on the, like during the show is that it did not drink good last night as it warmed up, even at 50 degrees. It just took on a different characteristic. Something about cold beer. It just, it's refreshing. You yeah. know? Like, do you well, drink? That's the whole point we're talking about was beer. Like, if you're going to, if you're back at a pool, I would bet you're changing your, like, like, if you're at a dinner, let's pretend 50% of all people drink wine at a dinner. If you're at a pool, 90% of all people are drinking a beer versus a wine kind of a thing. Like, specific things that you do are beer driven, specific things that you do are wine driven, and cocktails are just, they're all over the board kind of a thing. But beer is like, a, it's an activity-driven thing. I think we've talked about this. Like, you go to a ball game, at any sports thing, beer. You're having, like, time at a pool, floating down a river. Like, some like an activity is a beer thing. Versus if you're just casually sitting around, if you're talking with people, I like wine. I like to sit down, drink wine, have conversations, eat my dinners, play games. If I'm playing games with friends, wine. But if it's like, all right, I got to do something, it's beer. But I can't do that anymore because I have two IPAs and I don't do I don't want to do that activity anymore because I'm fucked up. <laughs> but but you, you're noticing now also with beers that people are getting so excited about sharing and trading and I, I am noticing that. Like okay, can like this. This isn't meant for me to sit around and drink it out of the can out back my house and just get white girl wasted. Dude, it's the size of my forearm. <laughs> you know, the, but a can like this is perfect to have a couple of friends over and share. A bottle of wine, there's something special about having a bottle of wine. It's not doming it to your head. It's sharing it with friends and having the experience. I picked up a growler of Spellbinder to go to my buddy's house who drinks nothing but Bud Light, and that's it. Like, it's my old Mexican roommate that I had in college. <laughs> and he doesn't drink craft beer at all. And But there's some other friends over there, and I showed up with this growler, 64 ounces of hazy IPA, to share it. Did I show up to dome, right. to, to dome it? No. It's to... It, it beer is becoming this like if you showed up with this can to a party 
you want eight different people to try that can. It's funny, though, because if you showed up with that can to a party, people would be like, fuck, man, did you bring the Fosters for yourself? Totally. Actually, I heard this place is actually doing uh, koozies now, uh, crowler-sized koozies (laughs) for the people that want to just know these. damn, man. Yeah, that's a lot. Dude, 32 ounces of this IPA is two bottles. It's like a bottle. It might be two bottles of wine almost. Yeah, it's definitely one. It's one. It's one bottle of wine. Yeah. It's one bottle of wine. Which is crazy. If you think if you showed up to a party and you just held a bottle of wine and just drank it, people are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But if you had four glasses, like they wouldn't care because it's in, you know, like uh, like an actual glass. But if you just held the bottle and drank it, people are like, dude, that, that you got a problem. But South- if you drank out of that can, people are like, yeah, man, like you party. <laughs> Wasn't there a South Park episode where like Randy was like, he's like, it's not called getting wasted. It's called a wine tasting. <laughs> okay, Stan, listen, okay, it's classy. It's called a wine tasting. And they started, yeah, he started dropping beer into the wines. Like, get your smorgasbord, okay? So funny. I love that. So so the big thing with these IPAs, though, are the hops. And this is where people are going nuts. And they're starting to list the ingredients on cans. And you're not, you've never seen this before ever. You, you saw the type of beer first. It was Pilsner, Hefeweizen, Stout, Porter. Then it started, they started modifying it a little bit. Okay, it's going to be a oak-aged stout. It's going to be a whiskey barrel-aged porter. Okay, it's going to be... And they started going a little farther. Now, with the IPAs, now there's designations of IPAs. East Coast, West Coast, Hazy, New England, UK style. And now they're putting on the cans a type of hops, and people are gravitating towards these hops, whether it's Mosaic, Citria, Galaxy, or Galaxy hops, like all these crazy hops. And people are actually... Not necessarily buying a beer because of the producer. They're buying it because of the hops that are in it. That's great. It's funny you say that because that's a perfect point is you're right. Everybody, it's like wine. It all started off with, you know, you know, you're having a Cabernet. Then you start breaking it down to the area, Napa Valley. Then you start bringing it down to the vineyard. The hops in these cases of IPAs are like the single vineyard for wine. It's, oh, man, this is all mosaic. This is all, you know, Columbus, Centennial, whatever, wherever it's from, depending on what it is. But it's really unique on how driven that it is like we did one with that was all mosaic and mosaic is like this crazy tasting fruit driven kind of style hop versus you know if you go into like europe a lot of their uh, their hops are really spicy you know they're kind of like peppery they're driven towards this real subtlety in some of their beers and whatnot but yeah ipas are at a point where honestly like there's new ones that have been released like because i make beer at home so like I have like my whole brew kit and everything, and they they promote. Hey, we just got Galaxy hops, and hey, we just got Centennial. Oh my God, we have Citra. Come drink this stuff. I wonder how they patent these hops or who's making these things the same way they do with grapes, like the buddy down at uh, what's your place down in uh, Paso Robles, uh, um, Sunridge Nursery. So like uh, like a good example was Mosaic, I think was recently made. It's like a 2012 hop. Somebody created, blended, you know. GMO'd these hops and all of a sudden they went holy crap mosaic basically tastes like blueberries and pineapples and tangerines therefore I'm going to use it in this style this what we're drinking basically where it's kind of a fruity beer or okay I'm going to take uh, all of these cascade hops that's real grapefruit driven so we're going to make like a grapefruit IPA kind of a taste in this one it's it's really cool I like the experimenting with all the different style hops why you know where you could do uh, they make Six IPAs, five will be, you know, single style hops, and then the last one will just be a blend of all of them. So you can see what they all different they all taste like. I mean, this really is I think one of the reasons why, once again, wine people are gravitating towards IPAs and these hazies and certain styles because the different hops change them so much. And the reason why I think going back to your little talking about the hops, 
hops is related to marijuana. And when it comes to marijuana, there are so many different flavors and strains and types and cousins. And there's marijuana that tastes like strawberries or something that tastes like blueberries or something that tastes like... Pine salt and lemon. Yeah, yeah. and, and... I think they're just trying, they're just getting to the point where they're identifying these different strains of hops and they're able to crossbreed them and come up with certain strands or strains and just as if they just like with weed. And so they say, okay, this is blueberry weed and it tastes like blueberries. Well, now they're saying that these are citria hops and they taste like citrus. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of Columbus hops. So when I use beer on like my, uh, like, like when I made session, I paste Columbus hops straight tastes like pine and weed. Like, it's very full. Like, it's great for a size on. Like, they just really come off that way. But, yeah, I mean, you know, like, uh, so hops are, I'm going to butcher this, but it's humulus lupulus. Because St. Lupulin is one of my favorite beers from Odell. And uh, that lupulin, you know, it's the hop thing. But they come from the Cannabisia family. I think I'm, like, I'm saying that right. But it's all, yeah, they're all, they're basically cousins. They're in that same family. They're not quite the same thing, but they're, they've got all the same smells. They have the same characteristics. And that way, you know, like that's why some people smell a beer. Look, I'm be like, damn, this smells like weed. They share a lot of those. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this wrong, but I like they're terpenes. It's basically the smells that mm-hmm. come out of it. And it's all the same, you know, family on it. That's a nice thing. So eventually, once it's all legalized, people will obviously make marijuana beer or they'll use weed just like hops as a preservative to make it last longer and taste unique in its own way. And I'm sure the Cicerones or the beer sommeliers of the world can actually... Is that what they're called? Cicerones. Cicerones? You can actually go through and taste a beer and be like, okay, I'm pretty sure that they use Citria, they use Mosaic, they use Galaxy Hops, because you could pick out certain things. And the more of these I drink and the more I look at notes, I'm like, oh my God, that's totally this, that's totally that. Like, yes, this, I'm getting that out of this product. So, uh, this, so Odd 13 and the Intergalactic Juice Hunter, it is a lactose beer. Because there's a sweetness in there. Yep. Yeah. It's very, very lightly sweet. So the whole point of this whole lactose beer is the fact that it doesn't fully get broken down by the the yeasts, and it actually leaves that... I heard it described to me once as if you took an IPA and you just basically sanded the rough edges off of it. It doesn't come it doesn't come across as real bitter like some of those East Coast IPAs do. It just, yeah, sands down the ed- edges. Yeah. So uh, this particular beer uh, is a double IPA. <laughs> so also, also known as an imperial same thing but yeah and it's made with galaxy amarillo and simcoe hops and then it contains lactose see those are really popular that simcoe and amarillo hops those are real popular ones right now and the amarillo so gives it's like it galaxy too yeah, yeah galaxy so galaxy if i'm not mistaken is from australia i got a really random fact for you too on this one Please. you know you know that hops aren't actually vines they're called binds with a b hmm yeah so the difference basically in that is like we're like a like a you take like a a, a grapevine, you plant it and it trellises out. A grapevine will constantly search the ground with tendrils. You ever watch you, we were talking about YouTube uh, going earlier, go watch a YouTube video of how a vine moves and it literally flings its little tendrils out to like snag something and then wrap around and then it sticks another tendril and wraps around and keeps going. The vines uh, use like these real structured hairs. And it creeps up along something. So that's why like uh, like vines, like a grapevine, you can you know get five, six feet up and trellis it out. And it'll go across the ground so it's high level and you can cut it. Versus like a hot vine, you got to make it go 20 plus feet up in the air. You got to let that thing crawl straight up. Didn't know that. Yeah. It's really random. All Which right. one are you snagging? Let's try an Arizona one. Arizona one? Well, we have a couple Arizona ones in here. But I want to try the Lumberyard because I'm not that familiar with their hazies. 
And this is one of the ones that was actually recommended to me by somebody here locally. Okay. So this is their Hazy Angel IPA. And they do themselves a disservice. It doesn't list the hops on here at all. That's what I was actually looking at. So out of all the beers that I picked up in Colorado, every single one of them listed the type of hops on it. Well, do you think Arizona is at a point where, think of it like, well, I guess, I mean, I guess everybody's doing something different in wine. But I mean, Renhouse is doing it. Yeah. I mean, I, um, but Lumberyard is also Air, a bigger one, isn't it? Aren't they like one of the top like five large producers? Lumberyard, they're Flagstaff. Yeah. I mean, I meant like in Arizona. All right, so... It looks like the exact same thing we just drank. It doesn't look as... It's a little more brown. It's a little more brown. Or orange. Or orange brown. The last one was more like yellow, half a wisen-y. Yes. This one actually has, to me, a little more clarity. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Okay, so, so I think there was just something different about the haziness. I think the haziness was a little different, a little more hazy. I don't know how to put it. <laughs> it's... It, it seemed way more, way more cloudy. I know, I know what you're getting at. This, the, the one you just had looks like orange juice, versus this looks like, or it looks like concentrated orange juice versus this one looks like just, well, apple juice. Yeah, this one's definitely a little bit more browner. Whereas the other one has a look, literally looks like a mimosa in a glass. It does look like a mimosa in a glass, like a heavy-handed orange juice mimosa. That would suck. To me, this actually smells a little more like wine too. This actually reminds me of a north. Eastern Italian wine in the nose. Do you know what I wish I had yeah. right now? I wish I had some of the Superstition Mead Barrel Pilsner that I had that day. Is that that one that we drank a while it ago? It was like a Montrachet. Yeah, that one actually did taste like wine. That was crazy. I, I've never I've never had a beer that finished like a wine in my entire life. Literally, I, I drank that first can and I was like, I need to save all these other cans for my friends. I gotta be honest, man. This doesn't taste like much to me. I don't know if it's because it's so cold but like I'm not really getting much out of it. It doesn't have it's falling short on every single note to me. Yeah. Whereas the last one we just drank had flavor all across the board. I'm going to try and warm this up a little bit see if any flavors come up, but like this isn't really much of anything. There was a richness to this to the first one, to the uh, to the odd 13. There was a viscosity, a full mouth feel when you actually goes in your mouth it was full whereas this to me the the lumberyard is a lot lighter on this the tastes palate. like 1 per, or feels like 1% versus a skim milk. Mhm. It doesn't have the body. To me this tastes like a very traditional beer. Beer. Yeah. There's nothing special yeah. to me about this. It, it would be like if you went to a like a dive bar in some town and you just liked hazy IPAs and they just happen to have one on the menu and you drink it and you're like, oh, well, because it's the only thing we have. It's what I'm going to drink kind of a thing. And then you're not, I'm not impressed by it in any way, in all honesty. No, me either. This, was, this isn't doing it, 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 it It's as if this is the major leagues and then this is like AAA. Yeah. This like is, this is like the first one you did and you need to, this is the first time you put out and you went, okay, everybody tell me what I need to do better. And they go, okay, we'll give us some body, give us some depth, give us some taste, give it a nose. It, it's missing the complexity, the depth, all the all the in betweens of this. To me, this is a beer I could just sit outside and drink. The, I don't. This doesn't make me think. This doesn't make me. This doesn't inspire me to a conversation. No. Station. It doesn't get me excited. It's good. I'm talking about this, comparing them to the other beers. Yeah. If someone gave me this and said, "You have your choice between this beer or Coors Light," I'm gonna drink twenty of these. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna think twice. In fact, I like this better than I like a lot of. Or most of the West Coast style IPAs now, I'm I'm pretty much over IPAs. 
I said that before I started drinking the hazies. Yeah. Because I got well, so- We all did. We all hit that yeah. point where you're like, God damn, they, they all taste piney and they're big and uh. They over-bittered all of them. They over-hopped all of them. Well, they went the, to the, cr- the Drake's Hopocalypse. Yeah. Where it was like... What's, what's the my- famous one that we at Fish slaps? Uh, hop Slam? Heady Topper. Heady Topper, yeah. And well, Hop Slam was even a big one at yeah. the time. Shoot, Stone released this. And I'm a huge... Stone is one of my favorite because I think they do their IPAs their best, but... It's like everybody went for the most hoppy versus like integrated. It's like oak. Like everybody went, oh, we got to have all the amount of oak in this versus all the amount of hop in this. And you're like, well, all right, now y'all need to make a little bit more complex and give it a body, give it a taste, give it a nose, give it something else. And they finally are figuring it out. Yeah, it's like putting the the spoiler of a na- of a dragster on the back of your um, <laughs> Mazda. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No joke. It's this beer needs more depth it needs more it just needs so much more to be in this bucket with the rest of these beers yes i'm the only reason why to me it's not showing great is just because of the company it's with that's fair i mean if it was by itself amongst other i don't want to say mass produced but if you had like a goose island or one of those things I could see that. By the way, Goose Island still to this day, number one highest rated IPA of all time, which I don't think today those standards are being met. Honestly. Because it's so mass produced. Is it though? Yeah. Is it though? Dude, it's across the entire country. I I just, I think what they did was I think Goose Island nailed an IPA at one point. I never, I don't know. I've never had original Goose Island. I don't know if it changed. I don't know if this was always what it had been. But when you win as many awards as it did and you're highly acclaimed to be the most awarded IPA, and then I'm like, damn, I got to try it now because it's in Arizona. And I went, oh, whoop-de-doo. And like, I was like, cool. I had one. And then I went back to drinking my Stone or Lagunitas. I think a lot of these beers made an impact in a market where they didn't have anything else. If you took a beer like this Odd 13 and this brewery and put this in a small market, it would be completely different. It 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 hides in Colorado because there's 150 breweries that are putting out a product like this. Yeah, Like, you could be... The best brewery around, but if you're in a city with the other 150 best breweries in the country, it's hard to stand out. Whereas yeah, you got to make something so crazy unique to stand out. I don't think of Chicago as being a big brewery city. I think of Denver as brewery city. I think of uh, uh, places in like uh, Portland, Oregon, or Bend, Bend and, Oregon. Yeah. Places. Honestly, even Seattle. With the, I honestly, I think of green and water. If you have green and you have lots of water, I think you got a chance for beer. That's why I'm blown away. I don't see great beers coming out of the Appalachian states. Like, why wouldn't Kentucky, Virginia, West Virginia knows God? They know they could use some money. Start start having some beers over in West Virginia. Is that because the clientele just drinks too much whiskey? I was gonna say they smoke too much meth, but yeah, sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> I mean. They're not filming that show Moonshiners up in uh, Portland, Oregon. <laughs> That's a good point. No, they have, they have big country where they have cults. <laughs> like you think about it. Yeah, you're all the all the liquor that's drank on the uh, on the east side. Because you're right, some of the, the the whole hazy thing is New England. Vermont is where it started and moved from there. And I hate to say it, but man, these beers are going to make me fat. Then where the fuck is Canada, by the way? I mean, I know we got lucky with Firehall, and I would love to try his IPAs. I know we didn't get a chance to do it, but. All we get out of Canada, and I'm, this has to be an import thing. There has to be something to it, because all we get is Labatt's and Molson's and, you know. Canada's not going to see anything in this 
that we have here. Do a candidacy is from us, probably Budweiser, Budweiser, and Coors, Coors stuff yeah. like that. Miller, the, the big craft brew, maybe Sam Adams. They get up there, maybe. That's not even. I mean, I remember uh, Dermot was telling us that, uh, like. When they did festivals, stone would creep up for a festival. You're right, a festival, who cares? Like, festivals are cool to, like, lay foundations, but you're right. If you walked into a Vancouver bar, I bet the beer on tap there is insanely good because of how fresh and how good their water and hop supply would be. The, the other big thing with these craft beer producers that a lot of people don't realize is holding it. Uh, you, In order to hold the beer, and what I mean by holding it, I'm talking about warehousing it, a lot of them have to be warehoused at a different temperature than the rest of your liquor beverage products. Oh, that's a good point. You can warehouse stable beers in a stable warehouse, so something along the lines of, say, Coors Light, Budweiser, you can actually age or hold in a warehouse at 50 degrees, 55 degrees. You can hold it in a wine warehouse, whereas these hazy IPAs, they need to be kept refrigerator cold. Mm-hmm. So 36 degrees, 40, like less than 40, basically. And they need to be drank fresh. So yeah. you can't necessarily ship it on a truck across America and have it sit on a shelf. It needs to be, one has to be in a cooler. Yeah. Your distributor, this is the problem I ran into with Action Wine Spirits. We found a couple cool breweries we wanted to bring in. We actually committed. They said, okay, we need to see your facility. So our facility said, we can't, you can't distribute our products. We're like, why? Like, because you don't have a beer cooler. We're like, well, we put it in with all the wine. It's kept at 50 degrees. And they're like, no, the beer has to be kept at refrigerator temperature 24 7. That's crazy. Did they say why? Like, because it's, uh, it's an unstable product. I mean, these hazy IPAs, these are not meant to age. These are not meant to hold on to. I can't put that, if I put this in my wine cooler for a week, it'll probably go to turn to shit. Huh. It has to be kept cold. Craft beer is like that because it's it lies haven't been stabilized. I don't think they're not meant to hold on to for a long time. I mean, especially some of these hazies, they're meant to be drank right now. Like the Lafresca, some of these fruit beers that are coming out. Yeah, you gotta drink them right now. You can't hold on to them. That's interesting. I never really thought of a point where it'd be like, okay, the beer is gonna go bad if it comes above forty-two, kind of a thing. That's unfortunate, you know. Right. But whatever. So, so this is one that I've been really, 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 really wanting to share. Ooh. I picked up three cans. So the the brewery that has this only produces it for a couple months a year. They sell out of it almost instantly. They had it on tap. They had none in cans, and I was so bummed out. She went back, talked to the brewer, and they found three cans. It was probably last vintage. Probably wasn't even this from this year. But what is like? What is last vintage like? Last brewed? Like, all right, we brewed it three weeks ago versus we brewed it. These are made with, but the fresh Palisade peaches. So these are only brewed during certain. Only during that time. So this is a milkshake IPA, which is a term for another term for a a lactose lactose. IPA. Yeah. And but this is a milkshake IPA with peach, citria, and lactose. So citria hops. So citrus. Yep. A lot of citrus. I like the citria hops. So. When I went to Colorado on this little research trip of mine, this was probably the number two or number three favorite beer of the entire trip. See, this one's in the small can. It's in a small can. Now, they don't normally... I think this is just one of those ones where you just don't normally get it. They don't normally have it. Like, I was... I was really bummed when they said they didn't have it, and then she pulled out three cans out of the cooler for me, and I was just like, can I have those? (laughs) I was so stoked. That one actually smells fresh. Yes. That's a, the thing about hops, too, is I was at a place in, it, it's technically Gig, is it Gig Harbor? I think it's, or Queen, I don't know. But it's like past Tacoma by Fox Island in Seattle. It's called Seven Seas Brewery. 
And they had, I was there in August and they were like, we just like all the hops just got done. Um, I guess blooming or I'm not sure like what the right term is, but, uh, they were all done. And they were like, this is, this is as fresh as fresh gets. And they took beer from the tap and they were handing it to people that fresh, holy crap, like right off the vine hop taste is insane. There's like an oily characteristic to it. Like fresh hops are some of the best things on the planet. It's awesome what it can do to a beer. Like I really like those stone and joy buys, but I don't know how they get fresh hops during the year either. So I'm not really sure how they do that unless there's a warehouse and somebody's just making them inside like they do with weed. So let's talk about glassware for a second. Because I think there's a real opportunity right now for somebody to be the, the Riedel. Of beer? Of beer. Isn't? But Riedel makes beer. Or beer. Glasses. For beer. I guess. I've been seeing this, like a hashtag floating around with different breweries going like hashtag like proper glassware. And people are really pushing proper glassware for beers now. Who the hell makes up these rules? Who is it? Is it three dudes sitting around podcasting with 19 glasses in front of them going, this is the best glass for this beer. This is the best glass for that beer. How do you come up with this is the best with wine? We've that's how we've done it with wine, where we've had uh, five wine glasses in front of us, poured the wine in every glass and say it tastes best out of this glass, which is interesting, though. Did we ever agree that it was the best taste or the best nose? A lot of it was the nose, the nose, the taste to me never really, really changed. It was always the difference of the nose that makes a difference. And with beer. I think you'd really have to concentrate like to almost like a tulip shape or like a like a real like a triangle style like, shape. Like smell that beer in that wine glass because that smells completely different. It actually is almost not even like super pleasant. I mean, it's super defined. I mean, that nose is defined. Yeah, it is now in a wine glass. But this size nose isn't much different. Like if I'm looking at the glass, we have the tumbler and that nose. I don't. Well, there's a lot more. The fact that it's it can hold inside of a glass like that. Yeah, that makes sense. But the size of it? Because we're drinking out of a tumbler. Like, this is a whiskey glass, basically, for the most yeah, part. it's a water glass. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about... I don't know... But you know what? The, the, the I know people try. Like, I know you get the Pilsners or whatever, and they're those long glasses. Ancient Egyptians didn't sit around going, man, <laughs> Phil, you're putting in the wrong glass, but buddy. But it's true. <laughs> it's not even a first world problem at this point. This is a whole nother style of problems. What the fuck is wrong with our society? Mm, dude, yes. Yeah, so, excuse me. I got to make up a problem. I don't have the proper glass. Excuse <laughs> That's what me. It is. You're almost like making up a problem. Good point. <laughs> We're going to be so such snobby dicks, though, later at some point when we drink a wine go, Let's drink it out of that glass instead. <laughs> I- I can be a little... By the way, most people drink out of a fucking can. Like, it's a can or a bottle. Like, that's what you're drinking out of. Nobody ever drinks out of a wine bottle unless they have problems with their partying. Every single person drinks pretty much everything that they're having out of the can itself or the bottle. But if I drink wine straight or if I drink beer straight from the bottle, people think I'm normal. If I drink wine straight from the bottle, people think I'm a little weird. And by the way, if you take a if you take a <laughs> so. bottle, yeah, exactly. But if you take a, a wine or excuse me, a beer bottle and pour it into a glass, they're like, "All right, whatever, like he's a little particular." But even a small wine, like what if I got a split? Say I got a 187, like a single glass, and I'm sitting there just drinking splits out of the bottle. People you, are like, "You look stupid." You look weird. <laughs> like, yeah. what's he doing drinking? Meanwhile, it's smaller than a regular beer. <laughs> Is but nobody us. second guesses somebody drinking beer out of a bottle. No. By the way, you can drink liquor out of a bottle and people actually don't go crazy about it. Like every movie, the if fuck? you're depressed, they just <laughs> rip back that Jack Daniels bottle or that vodka. Like, I'm so sad. Like, and just pound it. Meanwhile, if anybody in a movie drinks anything out of a wine bottle, they're like, what the fuck? 
Dude, it's weird that the wine bottle got the rep of don't drink out of the wine bottle. Yeah, you're taking it to different levels of horrible classiness if you drink wine directly from the bottle. Yeah. Like, you're like, what is... Phil's had a bad day today. Yeah. Phil said, yeah, like, not even... No, they didn't have a bad day. Like, their dog died. They just got divorced. If you're pounding out of a wine bottle, something bad happens. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know... And I'm, even then, they're going to still disagree. But I've drank wine out of these little tumblers before. And I'll tell you, when I put wine in these little tumblers like this, I crush it. Like, I'll dump a bottle really super fast out of these little glasses. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's the fact that you got to, like, swirl the wine and everything. So you need the glass because you're not going to do it in a bottle unless you give it the old cowboy to camp. And I don't also drinking out of a wine glass. I typically drink slower. I don't necessarily. It doesn't roll down into my belly quite as well as like a, out of a tumbler or a. Pint glass? Because I have a pint glass. It's just like, bloop, yeah. gone. <laughs> if, you put, if you fill up a, a pint glass full of wine, it'd probably drink a lot faster than a full wine glass. Yeah. You ever notice, have you ever gone to some places and they give you a pitcher of beer? And it, as their glass, like they just give you the pitcher. It's not, here's a glass and a pitcher. It's here's the pitcher. We got like Osa that does those little mini pitchers. The mini pitchers, yeah. Dude, it's so weird, man. Beer is like one of those things where no matter how you drink it, nobody's really going to do anything about it. Dude, you can put a hole in a can and chug that, and it's like, oh, he's shotgun a beer. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> shotgun to wine. People are like, what is wrong with Phil? Right? <laughs> Poor Phil's just getting dogged on on this episode. <laughs> it's fucking Phil's, man. <laughs> Phil's are like the Karen of dudes. <laughs> Karen's. <laughs> fucking Phil's and Karen's. God. Every time I needed someone to see my manager. <laughs> fucking Karen. Oh, man. Yeah. You know what's funny is uh, in the in the beer world uh, that like crazy mustaches that oh that guy must drink beer like I associate if you have a curly mustache you drink craft beer like crazy. See, I think I think liquor is more that. Like, I think so. I do. For the craft I, person. I think what, if you if you have a vest and a tie but no uh, like jacket, you're a cocktail person. Yeah, it's it's the the mountain men. It's the dudes with the big beards and the flannels. I'm like, that's a beer drinker. The when beards. I, well, yeah. When I get the dude with the little weird mustache and the vest, I'm like, all right, that guy is drinking Malort. And <laughs> he's got very specific bitters. He I uses. Guarantee, yes, I guarantee he's got a briefcase full of bitters in his car. It takes him 17 minutes to make a cocktail. <laughs> yes. Because it's got to be perfect in every single way. <laughs> How to trigger a guy with that mustache? Order vodka Red Bull from them. I was going to say order a blended daiquiri. <laughs> that too. <laughs> That's like my new goal now. Every time I see a mustache on like a weird bartender, I'm going to order the most god awful drink. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I get a, yeah, vodka Red Bull. Can I get a, can I get a blended Mai Tai, please? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> that guy's just going to stay. I love when they get real close to the grater. Like if they take a lemon or, and they zest it over a drink and they're like inches from their face. They're like, oh, I got to put this in right now. Yeah. I mean, I've. Yeah. You don't get that with beer people. It's flannel, probably a skinny dude, just, you know, whatever, hanging so, out. Mustache only, most likely. So when I was bartending one time, guy came in and he ordered a Rob Roy. Now, Rob Roy is a, like a Manhattan with scotch, is basically what it is. Now, mentally, I thought he ordered a Roy Rogers. Okay, I was, okay, I'm glad you said that because in my mind, I was like, I thought you were talking about like a Coke and Cherry or whatever. Yes. So, so I pers- Rob Roy. Rob Roy is not a Roy Rogers. It's a Manhattan with scotch. Correct. And a Roy Rogers is, it, I was an alcoholic and I need a new drink. Is a cherry Coke. With- <laughs> <laughs> and so I made this dude a cherry Coke. I threw like four maraschinos in there. Oh, and I put that. like, what the I fuck? put that drink in front of this guy and the look he gave me. 
like, what the fuck did you make me? <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. That might have been one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made bartending. If that's the biggest you, uh, mistake you ever made bartending, that's fantastic. I mean, I've made mistakes in life, but not like an actual like drink. Yeah. I mean, that was the one that was like, oh, shit. I spilled Bloody Marys on like a 300-pound Texan once. And the first thing I did goes, hey, let me go get my manager. <laughs> so like, please, please don't murder me. <laughs> totally. Soon, soon as my manager comes up, he looks at me and goes, oh, shit. Can I buy you some new pants? Where <laughs> <laughs> we'll comp everything. This was a big Texan with a big belt buckle, and he was covered with Bloody Mary. You know what one thing is, is now that I'm thinking about this, is like a mistake for a bar versus a bartender is if you have a tap system that is not cold enough and like 80% foam comes out when they first start pouring it. That happens. Uh, the Taco Guild right up here on the street, their beer taps are screwed up. They used to, they converted their wine taps to beer taps and they're not cold enough. The lines aren't cold enough. Dude, it's just foam. It's, it's just pure foam. You're like, dude, you're wasting so much. And oh, by the way, it's going to taste weird as it's shit. It's been like that for weeks in there. Like I go up there a lot on Tuesdays for Taco Tuesday. Speaking and of Google. Google, Google, worst pours ever. You'll get a good laugh out of that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It's like, it's like this much beer and six feet of foam. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so when you go to those craft beer places and you see them uh, rinse the glasses with water. Yeah. Is that to prevent the from it foaming up? You know what? I have no idea. I always wondered that too because I know that everybody hits it with the water and I wonder that too. But you know what I've noticed? And I don't know if this is this style hazy IPA. It is not as carbonated as most things that I see. But if you notice these breweries that do that, they do it with all their beers and they will have pilsners, lagers, everything, and none of them foam up. So I'm it's true. I, I yeah, just, you don't get that crazy where it just like rockets foam. So I always back. I was told by somebody that that just got like dust and particulates and other flavors out of the glass. However, I was also told by somebody else that it had to do with the foam and I'm to my brain Thinks that it's more for the foam. Okay, so yes. And, and only on that, only because of how I know champagne is, if you have a champagne glass and you pour all your bubbles in, or even you know your standard wine glass, it doesn't bubble. But I've noticed that uh, there's some restaurants that what they do now on glasses, they'll laser etch a sim like their beer symbol. And what it does is that impurity at the bottom of the glass causes it to bubble like crazy. Not foam, but bubble. Like actually causes the bubbles to go crazy and drop. So you're right. If there was impurities in the glass, you're right. It would definitely bubble more. But wouldn't you want that? Don't you want people to look at your beer and see the bubbles rising? Well, the whole Sam Adams glass had that on the bottom, and it would constantly Do bubble they? up. There was a special glass that Sam Adams came up with. Somebody else had come up with it first. Sam Adams announced that they came up with it, and they, they patented it, and the other company sued them, and it was a big lawsuit well, involved. Yeah, how are you going to sue somebody who laser etches a symbol at the bottom of the glass? That's not like had a to do with the shape thing. and all well, sorts all right, of stuff. Oh, like, like the Sam Adams glass, you could think of the almost kind of tulipy looking thing. Correct, but that would that glass with the... That makes sense if you have a, tool, like a specific style glass, but the laser etching on the bottom to make it bubble is not is not like something you could patent. But again, going back to it, why would you not want it to bubble? And I guess in a hazy one, you know, it's not like it matters. But by the way, if you move your glass just a hair, the rim bubbles. The 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 uh, excuse me, the beer itself, huh, I did it. Is uh it doesn't bubble, but the top does. Have you ever been to a craft brewery and seen their beers overflow like you like got a sports bar? Like you go to a sports bar, you go to whatever. Honestly, no, never. And I, but yeah, I noticed that. every one of those craft breweries are now using that little water thing too. But it's that way. I'm you, just wondering if maybe they come with the new taps. Maybe like that. Now it's just a a thing where it comes with it. 
I'm guessing. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm about to find out come in a few months when I have the bar because I'm not getting them, but we'll see. If I all of a sudden notice that I'm losing a volume because it gets so foamy, I'm like, all right, yeah, we got to bring these things in. But I'm also going to keep my taps at the right temperature, too. I mean, that's a lot of volume that you pour off of taps. That's one thing that bar owners know and bartenders have no idea about is the amount of cost that goes down the drain by... 20% is the average loss of a keg to foam. Nuts. That's, that's a dude. That's like that's a lot you, of money you, that you, goes down the drain. You pour that glass, and even if you're not getting a lot of foam, what does the bartender do? He pours the glass to the side and watches it just run out. Yeah, that's the one thing I noticed. I, I see it everywhere. I see it at the tavern. I see it a few places. When I watch a bartender start filling a glass, and they just they pour out like half a glass of foam. Now, obviously, if it settles, it's not that much, but they'll let the thing run out. They'll let the beer run the foam out. Instead of letting the foam fall out on its own, it's like they're using the beer to push the foam out till it's full. And you're like, dude, you could have put a glass underneath it and just filled that other glass. There was a bar near my one of my houses in Tempe that I had, and they used inventory after every shift. They inventory at the end of the lunch shift and at the end of nighttime shift. They used to... The, the beer tap runoff used to run into a bucket. Mm. And at the end of the shift, the bartender had to pull that bucket out of the drain and weigh it and log how much beer they actually drained off. It didn't drain down the drain. It drained into That's a bucket. That's interesting. And, and you would see them at the end of every shift. The bartender would pull this bucket out, put it on the scale, weigh it, log it, dump it down the drain, put it back down there. And the next bartender would come in. Mark down that it was an empty bucket to start the shift. And So my only thought of is two things. One... That sounds like an old liquor law because you have to, you ha as a winery, we have to log every single drop of booze and where it goes, what gets tasted, what gets sold, whatever. But also if you're a corporate company and you're trying to, you know, pinch pennies and see how much money you can make and you go, listen, you guys wasted two buckets for the night. If you could cut that down to one bucket, we'll give you guys a bonus. And if you could cut it down to nothing, we'll give you another one. By the way, I would love. You know how many bets were lost where somebody had to drink that bucket? <sighs> Lots of bets were lost. Uh, gross. Well, every, everybody has those names. They named named like the the drink of the Rail bar shots. mat, the the Jersey Turnpike. <laughs> oh. It was what we used to call it. That was the. Do you take the bar mat at the yeah, end of the night? Yeah, you pour it into a shot. You pour yeah. it into a shot glass. So you take the you take the dirty bar rag and you wipe up around. Oh, that was it, something different. And, well, yeah. and you squeeze that in the top of that's it. That's bad. That, dude, that, that's fucked up. That's the Jersey Turnpike. That's the Jersey because we had the rail shot, which was just that. But the rag yeah. one was it, it was it, a bull, uh, it, it's the mat topped off with a dirty rag. Yeah. Oh, dude. People are t in the bar industry. People are fucked up. Dude, how fucked up is it that when we were like twenty one, like what's the one shot you buy everyone when they're twenty one? I got a prairie fire, a three Wiseman, and a go. cement mixer. All of them. The worst, the worst thing, all three. I literally got all three. I've, I've never in my entire life thrown up from alcohol while relatively sober. Because I took the prairie fire. Actually, what I did was a three Wiseman first, the cement mixer a couple minutes later, and then a prairie fire. And then two minutes later, I'm out back at you know whose place and just barfing my brains out out the door. And I wasn't even drunk yet. I was like, what? the fuck just went into my stomach and if for you don't know a prairie fire is half tequila half tabasco three wise men is what jack daniels jose cuervo and jim beam jim, jim, jim beam jim, jim jack and jose the three jim jack and jose the three wise men and then what's a cement mixer it's like bailey's and vodka or some awful shit and what happens is yeah it's the bailey's will start to like curdle. Yeah, yeah curdle it's kind of like if you leave a um the milk out for irish a month. irish car bomb <laughs> You do a bunch of car bombs, that, 
that curdledness would actually form in your glass too. Do you ever think in Ireland they have 9-11s? Um, it's actually a really bad term. You don't want to ever order a car bomb. Or in, a black and tan. Or a black and tan in Europe. Yeah. No. They're, they're, it's actually derogatory. It's literally the equivalent of a 9-11. Like if yeah. you went to Ireland, go, let me get a 9-11. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't. Oh, wait, those were the Obamas that they were ordering in uh, the Obamas. Yeah, no, when we were in Maryland. Oh, oh no, the Obamas. The Obamas. Oh my god, like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> the most potent drink I've ever seen in my life. Like eighty percent Hennessy, twenty percent vodka. I've never sixty percent. It was like three hundred percent of alcohol. I never saw somebody so aggressively take a magnum of vodka. No, she took a magnum of Hennessy, poured it into a regular plastic cup, put a lid on it with a straw. And goes, oh, no, this is mine. She didn't even pour for you or me. She goes, no, this is mine. Puts it off to the side. Then she took a magnum of vodka, poured it in. Took another magnum of vodka, poured that in with the foil that she left on there. Filled it up with, uh, it was like 80% vodka, a splash of pineapple juice, topped off with some shitty fucking rum, and then they hit that blue Caraca or Curacao or whatever because the Obama thing was make it blue for like Democrat stuff and you're like holy shit I've never in my entire life seen a drink of pure pure alcohol like also everybody got them to go (laughs) god I love that place like after that warmed up it literally just tasted like a flat alcoholic pineapple juice all right not this one so so the peach so let me talk about the peach real quick the peach is cool well here's the here's the thing with me one I'm not noticing the lactose. I'm not getting the sweetness, but definitely better warm because now I really taste the peach. I taste peach. Like, that's that's delicious. I'm not getting that sweet lactose like we did on, uh, what was that first one? The Odd 13? The Odd 13. The Odd 13 tasted sweet. This one doesn't taste sweet, but the peach is there. Like, it's it's lingering. It's nice. Like, dude, this this to me, when you're talking about wine. That was one of my favorite beers is, I had my entire time This is time a wine there. drinker's yeah. beer right here. Attack of the Peach. That's a violent-looking peach, by the way. <laughs> it blew me away when I was up there. It was the first beer that I actually tried at all the breweries because this was the first brewery we went to, so it set the bar yeah. way out. too high. Shout out to New... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, New Image. Dude, this would be... Honestly, think about this. Do you think that Denver has to make their beers differently for everybody gets really baked because they need something that's refreshing? Because if you have cotton mouth like crazy, you got to have a beer that constantly keeps your mouth like refreshed. Maybe that's why I, beers do so well. I, I wonder how the the beer and and the beer and weed industry go hand in hand. Because if you're smoking weed, eating whatever, you don't want to drink wine. Like, dude, you cannot have wine if you're high. That tannin is going to fuck your mouth up even more. It's just going to make it drier than it already is. It's going to go from being Arizona desert to, to Sahara desert yeah, real co- fast. Co- cotton mouth with a sixteen percent Napa cab. That's like holy pu- shit. triple oaked. You're like, Mah. yeah, you're gonna start like see the sauce now. I think that right now with the beer industry, you have to you have to separate yourself. For years growing up, we had one or two or three types of beers. And I'm I'm really gonna generalize this. But Bud you had, Light, yeah, you, Coors Light, Natty Light. You, first of all, growing up I had you had domestic and craft, basically. And, yeah, and, but and what even was craft. But even like not even craft. Blue was, Moon? Not even for me growing up, no. I mean it was it was your domestic Yingling? Did you have Ling Yinling back here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. but, but y- Yinling's not craft though. Yinling is just Budweiser. Yeah, but it's but it's an East Coast thing. It's just East Coast Budweiser. Yeah, it's just East uh, Coast. Honey Brown was one that I remember oh, coming I remember out. Honey Brown. I remember. I remember when Shinerbach on this. Sam side. Adams when it came out. Sam Adams when it came out was a big freaking deal. I think for Arizona it was Four Peaks and Santan within the state, but if it was just a basic craft, I think it was Texas things. The Shinerbach. Um, 
I think dude, Sh- I'm Shinerbach was owned by Michelob, but it definitely was one of their dude. Rolling Rock in Arizona was yeah. the fancy. If you showed up with a Rolling Heine- Rock, Heineken's, Heineken's, yeah. If you had the green bottle at a party, and this is high school, by the way, and right. what was this, 2001 to 2005? Holy crap, dude. We had a. I remember uh, one of our parents in high school was. You know, he knew everybody was going to drink for a graduation thing. He had his son's birthday. He bought a keg of Sierra Nevada, and everybody lost their collective mind because they were like, oh, my God, we got to try an IP. It was the first IP I ever had was Sierra Nevada. And I'm a huge Sierra Nevada supporter, not on their taste, but what their company does, by the way. Check them out. They, they are pure, green, carbon zero kind of a place. You know, it was Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is what I drank in college. Pale Ale. Sorry, it, it was the regular yeah. old the, pale, pale the green ale. bottle. The green yeah. bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was my first way of first time ever diving into you know craft beer in a way because i grew up with paps blue ribbon my dad drank a little molson uh every now and again or little labats little blue lights little labats um sometimes genesee but mostly he was a past blue ribbon guy when i got to my cr- dad's craft thing was molson's or yeah uh, that was, what was what's the red one but, is that molson's but Mol- yeah labats blue was the other one killian's red was another craft beer Ooh, back then killian's red i had at frazier's when I when I when I started so, having beer, I had Killian's Red. I was like, "Well, it's crazy red ale." So so the, so the beer industry came out, and you had generics, and you started having some of these semi craft, weren't really craft, but just more unique types. So you had lagers, you barely, you had some pilsners, you started seeing some pale ales, then all of a sudden you started seeing some more stouts and porters. You started seeing Newcastle Brown Ale. I started drinking. You started seeing stuff like oh, I forgot about Newcastle. Newcastle. Forgot about them. So some of the British craft beers started making their own beer. was one of those oh, ones. 1554 or 1654? 1664. 1664. Yeah. Yeah. I used to drink a lot of Cronenbergs. Cronenbergs are great. Yeah, because it was Cronenberg and Peroni were like my European beers. and so, so all of a sudden the American craft brewery started popping up and you had to separate yourself. If you just did a lager, there's only so much I think you could do with lagers to separate yourself. How many different lagers have you had in your life who said... Wow, that lager was so much better than that lager. So much better than that lager, and they were all so different. That's a good point. They're all the fucking same. They're, they're little nuances, but they're all the same. Well, here's a weird one for you. What about an amber? Like when you think of an amber beer, what amber beer do you? Well, think ambers of? are typically ales, and it's just a different type of malt from what I. Yeah, because lager is cold. If I'm not mistaken, you have to use a very specific yeast, and it has to be done a long period of time on cold temperatures to ferment that out. So slow. Real slow fermentation because ale is everything else at that point. And again, I'm I might be mistaken on that one. So so what's going on right now though with these craft breweries is that yeah you could put out a pilsner, you could put out a lager, but you can't really separate yourselves from the other 200 breweries in your neighborhood by just putting out a lager or a pilsner. So you have to do something above and beyond. So by going above and beyond, it's a lot of this is going to be the the barrel aged stouts now. They're going to do the, the the Imperial Porters or these crazy IPAs. This is how you're separating yourself from not just your neighbors, but all the big houses from when you grew up. Well, here's the crazy thing about this, dear. All right, so if you think of, if you go from, let's say, wine and even liquor, you think of liquor, you can, I could say spirit and you automatically know the country. I say tequila, you say Mexico. I say bourbon, you say America. Scotch, Scotland, brandy, you know, obviously France. There, everybody had uh, Amaro, Italy, like you can immediately go. I know where that's from. Even in wine, Cabernet. Well, you could do France or you know America, depending on what you want. Uh, Sangiovese. You think of Italy. Like everything's got its region where they know, and that's the best of the best. In beer, if you think of beer, you think of a label. So if I say Germany, you would think of like Heineken, or is that Belgian? What is Heineken? Is Heineken's German? Belgium. It's Belgian. Okay. So like if I were to say Italy, in my mind it's Peroni, in France it's Cronenberg. 
What would be like England's thing? Uh, Boddington's maybe? Well, you got Guinness or is that Ireland? Uh, uh, that's Ireland. Well, okay. I mean, it's the, the Isles. Yeah. I mean, but if you think about it, nobody has like a style. Like I know there's English pale ale. I know there's Pilsner, but nobody has like, you don't go to France and go, dude, France makes right. the well, best it, ambers ever. Like that's l- kind of ish, you know, like America's IPA so, to me. So, so, I know IPAs originated in England so, and I know their purpose, but to me, American beer is it's not Budweiser, even though I know it's everywhere. But like to me, being an American, if somebody says, oh, I like American beer, I, in my mind, I'm like, I think they like IPAs. See, the Europeans like a lot of lighter beers. Uh, if you're looking at like Pilsner, Pilsner's from Czechoslovakia. That's a Czech beer. Czech beer. Um, or you have a lot of those Slavic nations will do Pilsner-esque beers. You get up into the, like the Danish areas. And Hefeweizen you get... is literally a German beer. Yeah, like the yeah. name sticks. And you get up into like the the Danish beers. You get up into like the the triples, tripels, and like the oh yeah, the, the, the Belgian the, uh, the Belgian the beers. Yes. Yeah, the the Abbeys. The, the original, some of the original sours that were done were from up there. Were they really? Yeah. Okay. So I just it, it's weird to think that where you know where your country falls in beer because if if you go into any other country that's in like an asian country you can't think of any beer like you could think of a name like sure. snow or tiger but there's like no style like like i'm i'm talking about style i'm not talking about a brand when we can think of a like you and i sitting here we could say a country we might be able to think of a beer but if you think of a style and you say pilsner you'd probably think of austria hungary czechoslovakia yes. germany if you think of Ireland and England, I'd probably think stouts. I think porters. I think of stouts when I think England, or I think of like some like harps. I think of some of those. I, when I think England, I actually I think of Sammy Smith's Taddy Porter. I, I think bigger beers, you know, bigger style. But to me, when I think of America, I think IPA. I don't think Budweiser, or Coors, or lighter beers. I just, in my mind, maybe it's just because we've seen so many, and maybe it's. And I and I've been very fortunate enough to travel a lot of places. And to me, I think you're right. It's I, the general idea. To me, is IPA like they're just everywhere. And well, yes. If you go to a bar in anywhere in Europe, you'll end up with three pilsners, an amber, twelve uh, IPAs. No, in Europe, no IPAs. Oh, in Europe, I'm sorry, I thought you said no America. IPAs. Yeah, no. none. But over here, they're everywhere. Sometimes it's it's almost too much. You look at a beer list; it'll be they'll have twelve beers, ten will be IPAs. Yeah. You're like, I don't, I don't want an IPA tonight. And, and I've gone through this because I haven't drank IPAs for ten years. I'm just getting back into them because of this style. So this was number two on my favorite list Ooh, of the trip. See, this smells nice. This this was the number two favorite on the whole trip. This was from Cerebral. Uh, Cerebral was hands down. Had the best variety of all the beers I visited in Colorado. Out of all the breweries, New Image was my favorite, but they were smaller and a little more limited. Whereas where whereas Cerebral had, they had six different hazies. When we had the tiki sour hazy the other night, yeah, that was from Cerebral. So I do like this. They have a cool little talk on the back, but in the end, they say they say grist, which basically means here's the. Uh, the, the grains we make this from, and then they do have the hops, you know, Citra, Mosaic, Eldorado, Azaka, and go from there. By the way, I don't know if you saw recently, Corona, pat- I don't know if they patented it, but they tried release, they're trying to get away from uh, the plastic six top, so what they did was they created a top, like literally the top of the can that twists together, so you can make a cool wizard stick of full beers, so you literally twist it together, and that way you could stack your beers without using any plastic or anything. I don't know why you just can't come up with something that just biodegrades, something that's... Well, technically, aluminum is about as biodegradable as it gets. It's aluminum. (laughs) 
It literally, there's nothing to it. It's not plastic. It's aluminum. Aluminum is in the environment. Yeah, it's not great that it ends up in an ocean or anything, but it's like it gets a little rusty or something. Yeah, with the, with these new click tops that they have that are not just plastic rings. Well, are they reusable. They're reusable. Some tournament. There's that one company that turned them into fish food. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is I I I think that you should be able to take that snap on top and make it to the point where you could just throw it in your garden and it'll become fertilizer for your garden. Well, honestly, at this point in time, I wouldn't imagine, or I would imagine, I've seen things where, uh, and I couldn't remember who this was, but there was a company that took, it was two companies. One was cigarettes and one was corks. And it was a very specific cork that if you threw it away, there was actually a seed in it. And so eventually over time, as the cork got wet, the seed would obviously, you know, plop and go. Same thing with cigarettes. Somebody had, they had seeds and like cigarette butts. So when you flip the cigarette butt out, it would eventually grow a tree. But I'm like, dude, your, your foundation of that tree is tobacco. <laughs> so by the way, this is the most IPA of old school IPAs I can imagine. This one's bitter and not in a bad bitter. Like this is like, this is, this is IPA bitter, but it tastes great. It's that the lactose in it too. And I think that's what it is rounding out the edges. And the reason I stopped drinking a lot of IPAs was because they got so bitter. I mean, my friend gave me a heady topper for my birthday. I was like, it was one of the, it was like four years ago. I remember they gave me this can and I was so excited. It was the first one I'd ever had. And I tried, I was like, oh my God, I can barely drink this. It was just too much. And yeah, that's an East Coast IPA, but it didn't taste like this. Um, What's the other one? Pliny the Elder on the West Coast. Pliny the Elder. Super famous, super popular. I just can't drink them. They're not my style. I remember when we were selling at the store, Hop Slam was the big one. I, not my style. Not my style. Yeah. Honestly, I love Stone Ruination, but I think they're so malty that it kind of rounds that one out. What do you think of this one? I mean, as far as this, this is one of my favorites. My my hands down favorite on this la- on this trip that I took just recently was the the one from New Image. It there was something about it. It was so complex. There was so much going on. It was the first one. Actually, I did it a disjustice. Uh, when you showed up after I got back from the trip, I popped that can as the first can I popped you. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it fucked up the next can we drank. Right. And and because no other can could stand up to that first can because it was so much going on. And it was so deep. And I mean, that's the thing about IPAs. And you're right. I think that's what IPA is going to become the... True American beer. Which then in that case, let's just fucking get rid of the India Pale Ale and call it American Pale Ale. I think, I think honestly... Why do they call it India Pale Ale? So, couple reasons. There's it's a good argument to be made on a lot of sides, and I think the history of it's a little broke down, but the reality is, is it comes from one main thing, is the beer in England was shipped to India. It was used by the East India Trading Company, and they brought it down there, because everybody was drinking... Originally, it was called an October beer, because that's when like all the hops were, you know, done being planted or not planted, a harvested. And they would put it into the beer, into those giant basically barrels or vats that they used to transport, because it was it's a preservative. A hop is a preservative. And so they would obviously get on the boats and they would drift it all the way down through the Mediterranean, around the Horn of Africa, wherever, to India, and then everybody over there could drink their beer. There's a lot more to it. Obviously, the place they were at was Burton's. Like, they think Burton Water was better. Uh, the companies at the time were used to making these specific styles. But the reality is, is it just it ended up in India. Whether it was through, they called it East India Trading Pale Ale, or whether it was because it was India Pale Ale, because that's where it was going. 
I mean, I'm sure there's a million different conversations and debates about who's going to argue what's right and somebody knows better and everything. But that's the whole point was it was the hops were used to preserve it going down. And the reality was, is the people at the time just like drinking it that way. So that's kind of what it came down to. And then eventually over time, it broke down to an English pale ale. And then just a basic pale ale is where that came from because of the color. Once it came to America, that's where it went crazy. Once the Americans started doing it, and the vast majority of hops in the world come from America. And we went crazy with it. We started making New England pale ale, East Coast pale ale, West Coast pale ale. And all of it is, in the end, an India pale ale, just with all the hops that they use. And it's all the different styles. And then it went down to New Zealand and Australia. But in the end, honestly, it's one of those things where it was made in another country, but America made it what it is today. I think it's because it's also one of them not the high the reason why it's become american is because it is such a a product that you could change so much you can manipulate it so much you can only do so much with stouts barrel age um you could add cocoa chocolate yeah, you're not salt. adding hops to it <laughs> there's only so much you're going to do with a stout and it's only going to achieve a certain level of complexity and you can only drink so many of them right. same thing with porters with lagers and pilsners once again, there's only so much but you can do. But then they get changed. Red ale, uh, amber ale, you know, Pe- English style. Peach ales yeah. and different fruits and stuff like that. But where can you truly be a chef when it comes to beer? This IPA yeah. thing. When it's coming to adding in, now there's different types of sugars. You're adding in the lactose. You're adding in different types of hops. You're adding in different types of fruit. So like people are put s- that chef is the right way to put it. People yeah. are Yeah, people are starting to sour their IPAs. Yeah. So now you're ending up the one that we popped the other night from Cerebro, which was a tiki sour IPA, which was a coconut IPA, pineapple coconut soured IPA. Fucking delicious. Yeah. And a lot of it comes down to, I think if the rules are probably, I'm going to generalize it. So for anybody who's going to lose their mind, like it's a certain alcohol percentage and the way you do your malts. But in the end, a lot of it has to do with the amount of hops that you use from the boil to the mash over to dry hopping it, where they literally just take the hops, they throw it into the finished beer and let it like absorb all those flavors. You could do so much. And you nailed it. Like you can't do that with that. Nobody wants a bitter stout. If you took 10 brewers and said, all right, you 10 guys all make me a Pilsner, they're all going to be fairly similar. If you told 10 guys to all make a stout, they're going to be similar. Hefeweizen's. Similar. Yeah. You tell 10 dudes to make an IPA. Oh, it's going to be crazy. You're going to have 10 different beers already been close. And especially if you're utilizing modern techniques versus stuff like different types of sugars, different types of hops, different types of fruits, different types of like where they're going to sour it, different types of alcohol levels. Dude, we've had four and they don't taste the same. All four of these are completely different beers, but they're all IPAs. Yeah. The first one we had was more of a sweet citrus driven one the other one to me actually by the way i left this in the glass if you want to try it. it's actually opening up now it's warming up so maybe lumberyard is better warm like that's my thing so I, and still then we did the I, I, I still think when you go, if you go back to the odd 13 there's just so it like it's becoming even thicker in the mouth it's becoming even fuller in the palate yeah that, is there any in there yeah, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna drink that after this one but yeah like the ipa i think you know you got to be the chef you gotta tweak it. You gotta do so. Much. It's like kind of like Pinot Noir, man. Like, dude, it's all over the board. It could be anything. It could be good. It could be bad. It could be nothing. It could be the best thing you ever had. And I think at some point, sometime, I think the Americans just, as we as America, just need to adapt it as our own thing and just say, you know what? It's no longer an IPA. It's an APA. It's an American Pale Ale. It's our thing. 
We've done it. We've perfected it. I think that's you need to go ahead and uh, let's do it. Let's let's yeah. No, we're not start, longer gonna start say, the classification. Yeah, yeah. Like let's start the uh, the AVAs the, of the change dot org. Put it in. Oh uh, yeah, it's a change dot org. To officially <laughs> change it to uh, America Pale American Pale Ales. Yeah. Let's let's call it something different. Because forget pale, I mean, any I, of pale ale, we could just call it the American beer. Because you're right. Because I I've often wondered why they call it IPA. American ale. God. So what do you think of the uh, cerebral? I dude, this is this is more of a traditional old school IPA to me. It it has the floralness, citrusy, and the bitterness is there. There's no hiding the fact that they definitely you know made a bitter IPA. I, I, I don't think there's any lactose in this. I'm not tasting any sweetness of it. This brought me back memories of when I first was drinking IPAs. So I'm a fan. I, I honestly, the first one we had, the Odd Thirteen, is my favorite. The peach is the tastiest. The IPA has, or sorry, the Rare Trait has nostalgia for me, and I like the nostalgia. There's something about having those old memories. I, I don't think anything could beat nostalgia at times, but. And we'll yeah. finish these off while we're having dinner tonight, but yeah, we'll just kind of so sip these so, last ones. So the pay it forward. So out of the whole trip, honestly, I got to give a huge shout out to the people at New Image, the people that were working behind the bar, the people at the that were sitting around. They were the most. Wow, that's the haziest beer we've had so far. They were the most giving. They were the most courteous. Uh, I mean. I didn't exactly walk in there with a sign saying, hey, I'm going to go ahead and buy your beers for my podcast and talk about it on my show. But hands down, they were the most engaging of all the breweries we went to. We got their brisket nachos. It was the best nachos ever had. It was like fresh roasted, like slow roasted brisket with like a bechamel sauce on it. Like it was not a normal, like shitty nachos. It was the best set of nachos ever had. We were planning on being there for an hour and buying a couple four packs. I was there for three hours and I bought two uh-huh. cases and I bought two full cases of beer. They were so freaking nice. I said, once again, the peach was from them. They were sold out of it. They didn't have it. She went back and found me three cans I could take home. That was pretty cool. So this hands down out of all the beers I tried from them. I also have two or three of their sours. They had a jalapeno cucumber sour. They had a kumquat sour. They had a, I actually have their kombucha sour back there. See, I'm not a sour fan. I just don't like sour beers. Did you, I've never got into it. Did them. you give that one to your girl that I actually yeah, gave you? Yeah, we, we haven't opened it Save yet. Save it, yeah. yeah we're, Maybe we'll we're open one tonight so you can try it. So, but. so this is an IPA with Citra and Strata Hops. So the Strata Hops were in the, the Preble Vita, that Blood Orange that I had had that Dude, one Blood night. Orange sounds great. So this is the one, like I said, unfortunately when I opened this for you, it was this like... This one smells like hops. Like it, if, what, if you think of hops, this smells like hops. Not like... Not grapefruit, not weed. It smells like fresh hops, but there is a fruity characteristic to it. Uh, have we had this one? We had this one once again when I first got back from the trip. I poured you this. This is can- fucking great. This is my favorite beer of the is whole trip. Is this the trip. first one we had? Yes. Yeah, this shit is good. Unfortunately, like I said, I poured you this before I poured the other three that night. We had and the then, other one. It wasn't. Oh and it God. didn't hold up. And yeah. the other ones were really good. However,. This thing is just, it's got so much body, characteristic. This has a nose. This has depth. This has, there's so much going on in this It's true. Beer. Tasting this one, it hits all your senses. It really, really does. You get a, like the nose to, uh, and just only, only on wine comparison, which is not fair to beer. The nose to me is always muted only because again, it's beer. It's not meant to smell from three feet away like a wine can. But like, dude, it tastes great. There's so much in the middle. It lingers for a good like 30 seconds after you taste it. The finish is fantastic. 
I like that. This beer is great. And I thought it was really cool is that when I actually I showed up to this brewery, I was looking at their board and they had a collaboration project with a brewery from Tucson, which was the one who did that blood orange. What was the brewery in Tucson? It's called Puebla Vida. Oh, Puebla Vida. Okay. And they're the ones who did that, that blood orange beer that we drank before the Yousef podcast. And they had a combination project. They weren't selling them to go. They only had it on draft only or crawler or crawler. Okay. So otherwise I would have brought some home. I thought that would have been cool to actually bring home a Denver made collaboration with, Ari- an, Arizona with an Arizona brewery. Bring it back here. That's one thing I've been noticing. You know, it's like all the collaborations that breweries are doing with some guy from another state. I love it. They're getting along well in the sandbox but here's together. The thing. How does that like, all right. So they send the brewer or the brewmaster from that brewery to them or do they like we have these hops like i i don't understand the collaboration project so they the, make a beer they nope, make a beer they blend the beer so, so the guys from pueblo vita would come up to denver for a week and hang out every day and brew beers and brew projects and show them what they do and say hey we use these hops normally and hey we leave it at this temperature and we pull this and do this and this and they do a collaboration and then when they're all said and done they go back home and then Two months later when it's done or three weeks later when it's all finished, they can it up and they send it out and everyone's happy. All right, low key. Underrated I, thing. When you drink an IPA and you burp, tastes delicious. <laughs> I love the Still fact tastes citrusy and hoppy. That beer people are playing nice in the sandbox together. We've talked about this with Arizona chefs. Arizona chefs are willing to help promote another Arizona chef because they know that if one Arizona chef wins, they all win. LA, it's not like that. LA oh, I can imagine not. It, it's cutthroat. You don't want to you don't want to promote the guy across the street because you don't want your clientele to be dining in his restaurant. Where here everyone wants people just to dine out more. And I think you're seeing that, or I know you're seeing that more with beers than any other liquor source. You're not seeing a lot of wine collaboration projects like, hey, we went ahead and blended our grapes from our winery with this guy's grapes from his winery and his barrels. We made a collaboration project. We did a 50-50 silver oak and groth project. It's true. You, that's one you thing you never, never see it in the wine business. That's th- never. Literally, almost. Nope. Never. I think I could think of one. One. And you represented them, that one, the Lesa Gode. It was like the only collaboration, literally, I can think but, of. But those grapes were all grown by one producer, though there, were, oh. though there were two producers that had their hands in making it. One, the Frenchman made the French variety. The Italian guy made the Italian varietals. However, they were all grown on the property in Tuscany. Uh. It's as if, imagine if like, you know, two people that I know, say like Brennan Mom and Shug decided they wanted to do a collaboration, uh, Brennan Mom Shug project, where he took two or three of his barrels and blended them with two or three of the other guy's barrels, and they came up with this little cool, pro- you never, ever see That's that That's the crazy wine. thing about the wine thing. Like, why, like, imagine this, the best Cabernet or the best Merlot at a Bordeaux mixed in with the best California Cab. You could make your left or right bank style with that and have holy crap wine. Now, maybe it's the travel and maybe one day they'll get over it. Like if there's like actual space travel and in two hours you can go from France to California and you can bring grapes over and do that. But how do you not have like an amazing, awesome Merlot barrel in France and the absolute best cab barrel in California and not make a collaborative project on it? No, it never. It never, ever, how do you ever not happens. Have two or three dudes in the same corner in California. Like how do you not have three wineries that are all in the same little area that want to that make a collaboration Pinot or Cab which are, or a, a, Bordeaux, blend. a Bordeaux blend. A blend. This is my Cab with his Merlot and his Cab Franc. We blended it together. We drank three bottles of wine and a little bit of whiskey and some chartreuse and we blended it together. We came up with this blend and this is our... Yeah. our well, I guess to be fair though, does liquor do that? I, I can't think of a collaboration project with liquor, but then why would you? 
Like you're not going to mix a gin with a gin. Well, but to be fair, you don't mix liquors. You know, like, oh, I made a great whiskey. Oh, I made a good bourbon. Oh, I made a good uh, scotch. Well, let's put them all together. Like you just don't do you, that. You don't. You could literally only get away with it with beer. And by the way, when we get when we gets legalized, you're not going to mix it either. Like you're just you're not going to. Oh man, I love. Well, yeah, you can because you take you take you say, hey, Phil has a great strain of this, and Karen has a great strain of this, and we're going to go ahead and. We're gonna. We're gonna. Well, you would genetically modify it, or are you saying like, all right, he makes a hundred percent sativa, point. he makes a hundred percent indica. Well, we did a seventy percent, thirty percent indica sativa blend, and now we have this joint. You'd have to actually make a joint, like a specific joint. You'd either have to make a specific, yeah, a blend yeah, inside of a, a joint, a already or, finished, product. or if I have a vineyard of a specific varietal and you have a a very specific varietal, we can crossbreed them and come up with a crossbreed. Like if you have Phil's blend and Karen's breed and you Fucking it, Phil and Karen are and, not going to make a good blend. We call you call it can I see your manager? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you call it. I need an eighth of can I see your manager? Oh my god. <laughs> an eighth of can I see your manager? Done. Dude, all right. Did we just make a million dollar product? <laughs> Excuse me, can I get the can I see your manager? Wait, do you want to see the manager? No, I want the can I see your manager. I, I mean, I could see it working well in the wine business. I I could see it working well. You're right. Liquors, it doesn't work unless there's... You really can't. You, you can't. You'd have to make a, co- a specialized cocktail drink and and, you, and collaborate. Like Coke and, Coke and Jack Daniels can make a collaboration. And I could... And it's working well in beer because the beer guys also are utilizing all these crazy alternate methods to make their product. But wait, wait. Let me just interrupt real quick on you. It's not that they're doing a beer thing. It's the brewmaster is going to a brewery to make something. So it's not, again, going back to the brewmaster thing where he's the important guy. It's not like the brewery has something that they're doing and then going to Wren. Like, what is this? is electric and, and Wren House. So electric is from yeah. Southern, the, Southern California. Yeah, like Southern LA or something like that. So that those but the g- brewmaster went from LA to here to make this, right? Yes. He didn't bring anything with him. He didn't bring hops. He didn't. I bring- don't know. He might have brought some hops. He might have brought some. Besides just knowledge, he might have brought something. I don't know. It's fair. I just it, it's a weird thing to say we have a collaboration project without the 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 blend and the yeah. I don't. In, in, in beer, though, you end up with. I'd love is the brewmaster say this is my project. People will say, you know what, like Superstition Meadery had mead barrels and they donated mead barrels or uh, at the Crooked Stave, the sour house that I went to go visit. But that's a good collaboration. But the sour, the sour house uses whiskey barrels from Leopold's as their collaboration. Dude, Leopold's is so, so good. So, so they, they promote each other and granted it's a collaboration as if you gave me your barrels, not your distiller came and worked with me. So it's two different types of collaborations. Where like Electric Wren, the guys from Electric came out to Wren, and it was a meeting of the minds and said, why don't we do this? Ooh, why don't we do this? Why don't you do this? Let's do this. Great. And they came up with a project. Whereas when you end up with Superstition Meadery doing their collaboration or Leopold's doing a collaboration, it's like, here's my barrel. Yeah. When, you, that, do, when you do a collaboration with Wren, you're going to give them barrels. barrels. Yeah. You're not going to sit but there. But here's and, the thing. The legalities of it also are interference. Because let's say I make an amazing Viognier or Saw Blanc or some dope white that's so good. And it goes, man, your Viognier is so floral. It smells amazing. But man, I wish it tasted better because it sucks shit because it doesn't taste like anything. But I go, dude. Hey, Ren, you guys make an amazing beer, but there's no nose. Well, I have a Viognier that you could smell from four feet away, and you have a beer that tastes good. Let's see how we can blend 
these two things together to make an amazing floral beer that's a little bit of wine and a lot of beer. The legality of that is you can't do that. At least in the state. I don't know how it works anywhere else, but in this state, you can't legally do that. Every state's fucking different. Yeah. That, to me, would be a true collaboration. You make an amazing wine that somehow works so well with a beer. And by the way, a wine works with beer. Liquor doesn't. I'm sorry. Like I have never had anything where anybody poured... I don't like... uh, What's the thing where you drop the glass into a a Hefeweizen? Um, The Irish car bomb, dude. I've seen you do plenty of those. Come on. Well, yeah, but that's... I'm hanging out with Becky. Of course, I'm going to be having all the Irish car bombs. No, but what's the one you dropped? The Hefeweizen one. Uh, not Man on the Moon, because that's Mandarin Orange and Hefeweizen. Oh, I guess actually that might have been it. I answered my own question. <laughs> I've never heard of this, but go man, on. A Man on the Moon is uh, a shot of Mandarin Absolute into a Blue Moon. So, Man on the Moon. Yeah. See, to but me. But, like, that's, that's not, that's that's not, not a, a collaboration. No. That's, that's just alcoholics going, let's That's called alcoholism. But, like, if you make a beer and a wine and they pair perfectly together, because they can, they absolutely can go together. I don't think a red wine might work, but I absolutely think certain white wines and certain light beers will go perfectly with each other. And we've talked about this before also is the fact that with beer guys, you can do a lot of experimental shit because if you fuck something up, it's not a big deal. Well, it is, but you could dump it down the drain. You could start over. You don't, though. You just put it for $4 a glass on your beer, man, and go, oops, oh, the experimental fuck-up. Fuckle-duckle, whatever. Fuckle-duckle. The one that they had over at Rent House that they started yeah. selling. It was, but it, I think we should call it fuckle-duckle. Fuckle-duckle. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, Supreme Court just passed the decision today that you can use vulgar names in all trademarks. It's official. Fuck off, really? Yes. It officially, it, it, it was official Supreme Court decision today. Uh, F- U-C-S. Fox brand is the brand that was behind so as it. as of June 24th... The Redskins are no longer... Con- it's They're now the Redskins. They cannot... It's all this whole thing about trying to stop the Redskins being the Redskins because it was vulgar. So what you're saying is that if, like, let's say Navajo Nation wanted to use Fighting Whiteys as a name, they can do that? Yes. <laughs> I love this country you sometimes. Could, you can now make your... But you can now use vulgar names. Once again, this this lawsuit was because of a company called Fux, F-U-K-S, I believe was the name of the company, and they couldn't get their trademark from the U.S. government because their name was Fux. What stood for something else is an acronym. It's kind of like a French Connection U.S. or like whatever. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. Like the F-U-C-K. It, yes, stuff like that. Well, they, the Supreme Court says that some guy in an office does not have the knowledge, the know-how, the the ability to turn your company's logo down based on the name. They don't have that authority. So that's what it came down to. The the, the Dude, Supreme Court this decision is going to be abused. So Damien, all right, I've got a new business plan. Let's quit all of this right now and trademark every fucked up style. Fuck beer, shit beer, country beer, any of those things, yeah. anything like that. Yeah, if you get on that first and be the first one to do it, it. because they're all people will abuse the system like crazy. But the beauty about it is, is in all that shit, there's going to be some gold. There's going to be some funny swear things that you don't really notice until you take a minute and go, oh, 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 there it is. As a a tech guy, I guess that's where you go ahead and just lock up every website you can that has to do with a semi vulgar name that has to do with something like, you know, once again, City Beer. Yeah. Shitty Beer. Yeah, so things along those lines. If you could lock, beer. you lock up the website. I mean, all right. Well, we need to go on GoDaddy and lock up shitty beer, crappy beer, fucky beer. <laughs> I don't know how many of those are still out there, but yeah, this 
But this isn't just for alcohol or no. beverage. This is actually f- just, this is global know. trade. This is United States trademarks. So I said I think that it was actually a- is really crazy. The fact that somebody allowed it. Going, you know what? At this point, it's fr- it, it is free speech in its own way. Yep. I mean, if you owned a clothing company or company that was called Fox, like F U K S, and some guy in an office in D.C. said, "You can't. I'm, I won't approve your trademark of your name because it's uh, it sounds like fucks." And you're like, "Wait, who are you?" You 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 have the right to tell me I can't call my my company this. No way. Yeah. That's what that's what the Supreme Court decision came down to. That's crazy. It's weird that you know you get into like the political end of like you see what's going on in the Supreme Court in high end, and then the little things that you have no idea. Like I'd never heard of this. Not even a single thing until right now. And for it to go, what what I imagine was almost a decade probably of time. Like this guy had to have been fighting this going court battle for up. a long, yeah. and he finally got there, and nobody. Nobody talks about it until you just did right now. That's awesome. That's so cool. I like that. I, I really want to make a really terrible wine name now. Well, you know, with beers, they got away with murder for years. Wines, you never could get away with it. I mean, my buddy tried to put a a hazy silhouette of a girl's, like, mid-rift area, like, on his label, where it was, like, all pixelated, and all you could kind of see was, like, the the navel area, and that was it. And they said, no, it's, it's vulgar. He turned it down. They turned down cherry pie wine label like ten times because they said, oh, "How could how can you?" I could see how they how, were. How can that. you prove that there's not really cherry pie in this bottle? That's what they kept saying. They're like, "Wait, what? what? Yeah. Dude, the people that work in the offices of like the TTBs are idiots." But with beer, they get away with dude, polygamy porter. Hello, <laughs> I remember that one? Yeah, you went to came up with all sorts of like vulgar. Those guys stuff. are great, it's especially and they were from Utah. Utah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> dude, they're wash. I don't know what washes is, but it's W A T S C H washes. Wasatch. Wasatch. Yeah, yeah. But if you tried to make the uh, the only American doppelback that was fantastic, you could have polygamy porter. But if you tried to make polygamy Pinot Noir, you got turned down. Huh. Because you couldn't, it couldn't be done with wine. This is crazy. So many stupid laws out there Ugh. getting in the way. Well, I like this one. Pay it forward. That's what we should all do for each other. Make things better. No, I, I really love the the IPA explosion in America. It's it's so weird that what's American going Paleo. on. Yeah, <laughs> the, the the APA explosion, APA explosion. in in America. It, it's it's amazing the quality of these. The the one thing I do wish, I'll be honest, I wish they were a little lower in alcohol so I could drink a little bit more of them. Agreed. Because sometimes I have a couple of these and I'm just wasted. With wine, I can kind of sip on it. Where beer, I tend so to drink I, beer faster. I got a question for you because I feel this with beer. And I know we're coming down to the end, but uh, I feel beer in the back of my eyes as I get drunk. I don't feel it with wine. Like my whole body feels like it's slowly kind of being like, oh man, you've been drinking. You had a great time. It was really fun. And then like it hits like a ton of bricks when I get to my house. I'm like, oh, like I'll take the Uber home. And the second I hop in the Uber, I'm still laughing. And the second I see my door, do my whole body's like, dude, bed. Beer, I definitely get drunk. I feel fine. I feel happy. I want to talk, but my back of my eyes feel heavy. Hmm. And I, I don't notice that with like liquor or anything. It's just it's just a beer thing for me. I don't know what it is. And and at, it's not, it's alcohol. Like it's affecting you the same way. It's just weird that beer. Also, I got to pee like crazy, by the way, but that's when, a whole when, other thing. When it comes to wines, also, I know approximately the pace I need to drink, what I need to do, kind of like how to how the night's going to progress as I drink wine. 
with beer, I'm used to drinking beer as if I'm playing softball on an afternoon and I'm drinking three twos. Yeah. So I drink a few of these and I'm drinking <laughs> these. I've never had a three two in my life. I'm drinking these as if I drink normal <laughs> beer and these are not normal beers. They're not. No, you've never had a, th- you never know a three two state? Dude, I'm in from, from Arizona, man. Where well, they don't Maybe. give a shit about the laws out here. Yeah, Oklahoma. I remember the first time I went out there to drink, I was like, that's crazy. I'm like 12 beers deep. I'm like, I can't get drunk here. What's going on? Yeah, like, point. dude, it's three two. Dude, honestly, though, this whole thing, this has been fun. I, I like that we talked about the IPAs. I think it's been great. Um, I, honestly, if I would have, I have no favorite because I think they were all so uniquely different that I couldn't say I like this one better than the other. The Pay It Forward actually might be the favorite to me because it was the most well-balanced. But the Peach was the my favorite because of the fruitness. The straight, or, or excuse me, the rare trait was my nostalgia beer because it tastes like an old IPA. And dude, this one, this big giant can of, Odd 13 was so weird. It's fantastic. Why did you try it now that it's like warmed up and like... The only one I wasn't the fan of was the Lumberyard. And I I know we're not going to... We'll drink these two while we have dinner. I'll throw them up on on Instagram and Facebook and all that, but... I'm glad we did like a single beer episode around one type of beer, so we just kind of talk about one specific style, especially because this really is a wine lover's style of beer to me. It is, and I, and I think you could do it with IPAs. I think we could have IPA ones constantly and still never hit the eighteen hundred. I I, 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 I don't know if I want to do a two hour episode drinking barrel aged stouts. And I wouldn't. It's too much. I think it's just yeah. I mean, it's for my own palate. Maybe yeah. if it's winter time, you know what? I'm wrong. If if this was, if we were in upstate New York or we're in Canada, we're snowed in. It's freaking 20 degrees outside. We got the fire roaring. Yeah, you know what? A stout episode probably would be pretty nice. I think we could do any episode based on anything, but the IPA will be the one that gets really like, dude. Everyone is like, we'll have 10 stouts in front of us, and it'll be vaguely different. You know what? We'd probably complain more than versus this, where I was excited for each one. These are like five different beers. And you could tell by the alcohol levels that we drank five different beers. We have three that are not opened because we're not going to get to them right now. We have three? Oh, two. I got a fridge full, but... No, man. I mean, you have any final thoughts? Wow. We've been drinking. 8% IPAs. They catch up with you a little differently. Yeah. Any final thoughts with any of these? No, man. I just want people to drink more of these. Like, I'm Unfortunately... I've over the last month or two, I have not been focused on wine. I've been focused on beer, and I've really been good for you though. Studying more about it, learning more about it. I'm one of those people I need to constantly just grow. Another bullet in your chamber, though. That, that's it. And so I've been really trying to study different types of hops and what it means, and you know, just trying to learn more about the beverage industry all around. Because I really think that what's going on right now with the beer industry, it's it's the tip of the iceberg. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's saturated. There's craft breweries everywhere. No, I think a lot of these craft breweries are going to start going out of business. I think you're going to start thinning the waters. And the people like this are going to be the cream that rises to the top. Yeah, good point. I have no final thoughts because that was a perfect way to say that. Cool. Awesome. Let's, let's go grill some steaks. Let's do that. Thanks, guys. Love yeah, you. Thanks love you. for listening. Yeah, man. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. All the, everything in between. Uh, Twitch is coming soon, by the way. We got everything going so you can actually watch us drink and get really weird with some of these things. Yeah, next week. We're going to try to do uh, like an after the show Twitch show, and then we'll probably try and do one once a week, too. I like so. it. I like the behind the scenes. All right, guys. Thank you. Rocking. Bye. Later.